What's going on guys, Omar here with you. Uh, before we get into today's episode, just wanted to announce my new subscription platform where every Tuesday I'll be doing a full analysis of the EPL game of the week. And on Wednesdays, I'll be doing a talk show style review show where I have professional coaches and professional goalkeepers come on and we discuss the weekend in action. I've already released four videos on a free trial basis, which you guys can find on my website, progkacademy.com. And again, if you guys enjoyed that content and want to sign up, it is $10 a month and you guys will be receiving videos every Tuesday and Wednesday of each week. If you have any questions, go ahead and email me at progkacademy at gmail.com. But until then, enjoy this episode and have a great day. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. I don't know why I'm looking over to my shoulder. That's right. That's Hollywood right outside right there. With me is, you know him as the czar of the virtual background, the one and only Pro GK Academy, Omar Zini. <laughs> and the reason I started with Omar right there is because we have two Jersey legends on the air right now at the exact same time. That's right. Two former U.S. women's national team goalkeepers at the same time. That may be... There may be a, no, no, it's not the first because we had Jane Campbell on with Saskia, so that, that has happened before. <laughs> but anyway, we've, <laughs> I've totally botched that. We've got the one and only Jill Lloyd and joining Saskia Weber from TKI. Jill, what is up? This I didn't is even awesome. Get an intro. See, see, that's how big. <laughs> is. I didn't, I, she, he's like joining Saskia. <laughs> I didn't even get an intro. Normally, I, get I think if people don't know who you are by now, Saskia. Okay, co-owner, no, Angel okay. City FC, okay. UCLA goalkeeper, coach, World Cup winner. It's a, no, legend. I didn't need all that. Princeton, <laughs> Princeton High School legend. There you go. Yeah, that juggernaut. That's oh. cool. Jill, uh, we're we're really excited to have you on. Honestly, um. I mean, we, as you, as you know, you know, we always rave about TKI on the show. We love all the sessions that you guys are doing out there. Maybe for some of the people out there who are, who are tuning into the stream who might not be familiar with TKI, can you kind of give like just kind of a layout of what you guys have been up to lately with the, the new space and, and all the videos you've been putting up, the podcast, all that? Yeah, so um, I started uh, the Keeper Institute in 2013 when I was still playing because um, I'm from South Jersey. It's a difference. Anything above Cherry Hill, oh, South, you know, oh. that's North Jersey. I'm, I'm never going to hear the end of this right now. <laughs> South Jersey. Anything above South Cherry, Jersey. she is yep. correct. Yep. Which so means you should be a Philly fan. I am a Philly fan. See? What I tell yeah. you, Mike, he yeah. asked me before you got on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Philly through and through. Um, but I'm from South Jersey. And when I was growing up, there was no um, goalkeeper coaching in my area. And I, I didn't have my first goalkeeper coach until I got to college. And once I did, my career kind of like um, took off. And so I attribute it all back to someone who encouraged me, inspired me and gave me tools um, to succeed. And so when I was still playing, I really wanted to help change the landscape of South Jersey um, soccer and more specifically goalkeeping. So started the Keeper Institute. Uh, we Hot from field to field. I was like using the lawnmower at the nearby rec fields to train <laughs> goalkeepers. And, you know, it's a grind. And um, I, I ultimately knew I wanted our own space, a place that we would call home, a place that we could, you know, come together as a team and meet and have uh, do video analysis and do strength and conditioning all in one place. And so uh, after like two years of looking, we found a space, we moved there, we were there for four years, and now we've opened up another facility that's double the size where we have classrooms and we have, um, we have locker rooms, which is fantastic, and a strength and conditioning and a, and a turf. And um, 
we train, I don't know, a couple hundred, between two and 300 goalkeepers a year at our facility and outside, of course. Um, but we love it and we have uh, continuing to grow our team of goalkeeper coaches and um, different various programs through our internships. And I think we have uh, 13 or 14 coaches on staff with us right now. And we enjoy developing and improving every day. And that's helping our players to improve, but that's also improving us as coaches. So we have our own little niche over here in South Jersey. Sweet. So if I move back, I have a job. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can I apply for a job? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Honestly, one, one of the one of the things I really love about you guys is that not only do you guys have, you know, obviously you're empowering a lot of young goalkeepers in regards to, you know, working there uh, as interns and, and then on becoming staff members and all of that, but you also have, you know, pros such as NWSL players coming out in the offseason and, and training there. And then and then all, all of the young goalkeepers really get to see you know, what it really takes to play at that level, Jill. And I absolutely love the fact that there's that, that, that vertical integration of, of TKI, you know, younger keepers all the way up to interns, all the way up to staff, and then the pros come back and then they give back too. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you guys have had Caitlin Sheridan on. I mean, I'm super biased, but I think right now she is one of the top five goalkeepers in the world. And one of our, and when our kids come and they see her play and they see her train and she's in there all the time, she's a junkie. She's a goalkeeper junkie and soccer junkie. And she's in there training and the kids love asking her questions. They love watching her play. We use clips of her when, when we show kids because we're like, Hey, look, this is, you have a connection to this person and they're able to do it and ask questions and, and see how they do it and make it, make it your own. Um, and so it's great. It's a, it's great role models for, for our kids, both girls and boys, by the way. Yeah, you know that that's that that's a uh, you know a fallacy that a lot of people you know are under this impression and they go oh you know Jill Lloyd and TKI you know it's it's a women's goalkeeper program and you kind of have to be like ah no it's a goalkeeper program it's not a it's not a gender based goalkeeper program. Don't get me started. I, I yeah. was on a phone call the other day. I was on a phone call the other day with a, a mom and she was like, oh, I'm, I'm new. And can you tell me about your programs? And I, I'm telling her and I'm like, yeah, we have a highly educated um, staff. We have professionals who've played, um, you know, for several years internationally and domestically and been to World Cups, Olympics. And she's like, well, do you have any males? And I was like, I just listed off all those amazing things that our staff has done. And you want to know if we have any males. Um, and it just, it irks me because I'm like, I can kick the ball just as hard and I can coach just as well as any, any male, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it, we're not just for females. We work with several males and we have males on staff too. Um, but it's a collaboration, which I really appreciate. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Mike, that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, <laughs> men can coach women, but God forbid if women coach men, forget yeah. about it. I'm like, last yeah. time I checked, we won four World Cups. So I'm pretty sure I'm not understanding why, why can't a woman be the coach of the men's national team? Maybe you'll qualify. I'm like, it's the same sport. You know? Don't get yeah. me wrong. You know how pissed off I get about that. Omar, Omar, you want to chime in on that or you want to just leave that alone? Just let, 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 let that be. No, I mean, we've seen, we've been seen with uh, like Becky Hammond for um, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, she's like one of the first highly, you know, high, highly regarded female assistant coaches. And it was against the norm, and now it's becoming a norm in, in different places. So, I mean, I think some people just need to get used to that fact that that's the, that's the truth. It hasn't happened in the past, but it's the truth now. And, like, people need to understand that, like, the respect across the board should be, should be given. And Absolutely. I feel like that – I think that sometimes you need people like TKI and, you know, people who have 
I mean, I, I've, I've watched all you guys' stuff for so long. So, I mean, I, I probably am biased as well. But anybody who hasn't seen it, go watch their stuff. I learned a lot of stuff. Even, you know, the stuff that you guys post about, like, you know, strength and conditioning. I'll look at that and, like, you know, strengthening the core, certain things, and I'll listen to it. I'm like, oh, my God. I've never thought about that. I've never researched it. But now that I got that information, it's important. So it's, it's, that's what it is. You guys are like creating a new norm. And I feel like in a year or two, there's going to be a lot more of those, uh, those kind of academies out there. I have to give a shout out really quick, though, to Kim Wyatt, because uh, the coach at NYU for the men's team. So she's that's U.S. Cool. national team goalkeeper. And she's, oh. you know, so. That's cool. That's, breaking, that... breaking ceilings. Which is ridiculous yes. to have to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I'm I, I'm leaving myself out of this conversation because I don't I don't feel like I, I really deserve to be in it. But in regards to the whole breaking breaking glass ceilings thing, you know, I I, I wish I wasn't even even have to be part of a conversation. People would just kind of judge people based on their merits of their ability and all that stuff. And I, I hope that we're moving in that direction. Um, so speaking of that, let's let's kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this session. Uh, shout out to John Bush for giving me that terminology right there. Um, today's topic, guys, is going to be kind of putting complex sessions or compound sessions together. One of the things I love about TKI, Jill, is that you guys have an ability to, when you have big numbers or, 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 or a lack of resources or whatever, space-wise, you're able to find ways to develop activities that force all the goalkeepers to be involved and invested in possession, out of possession. So it's not just like, you know, sedentary servers doing training in isolation with a goalkeeper who's quote unquote training, but it's more game-like scenario. So kind of maybe for some of the parents out there that don't know what we're talking about, can you kind of explain what a compound session is in your opinion? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, we don't really refer to it as that when we're training at TKR. We kind of just refer to it as training, but I think I, I understand what you're saying is like, uh, getting everyone kind of, um, uh, integrated into the session. So we do one goalkeeper coach to six kids. So there's seven of us potentially, um, on the field. And so there's one coach and six players, but we kind of think of it as seven co-coaches and we all help each other and we're all serving. And, you know, we don't rely just on the, the head coach to serve. Um, we want everyone to be active the entire time. Um, there's benefits of watching other people. There's benefits of, of serving and challenging, and there's a competitive fire that you also get. Um, but it also helps us to make our training a little bit more game realistic. So um, I think what we try to do is basically take everyone's excuse and just show a way that you can do anything that you want to do. Um, so if you have a limited field space, which we do, and we understand that, and we are working on, um, a solution, uh, a long-term solution outdoors that we will call our own. Um, but right now we are limited sometimes with the weather and the conditions and coronavirus shutting down fields. So, but we are trying to be as creative as possible and to not let an excuse get in our way of development. And I think, um, the more time that we can spend, uh, planning, which is probably where we spend our most time is planning for sessions. Um, then I think that we can maximize development in the hour and a half to two hours we get with our kids per week. Yeah. Did you hear that Omar? No excuses, no excuses on field space <laughs> resources or anything like that for you. No, I think, I think, I think we all try to make it work. I mean, even the field that I'm on now is not great. So some of the sessions that I want to do in terms of like, you know, passing the ball across the 18. Some of the kids can't receive a ball on a turf field, let alone the field that I'm on now. So I've had to scrap a lot of the stuff that I want to do. But like you said, just kind of make it work and you kind of 
I've spent a lot of time thinking about what could potentially go wrong and, you know, all the factors that you have, whether it's the goalkeeper's ability, whether it's the field, weather, whatever it is, you game plan that. And then from there, your session plan should, again, be tailored around what the variables that you might have to uh, face. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also important to note that, like, I think sometimes people look at their obstacle and their hurdle as something that can impede development, where I'm like, wow, that's an opportunity to to, to grow development even quicker. So, like, um, you guys know Tim Dittmer. He told me this um, about this book, and it's called, like, The Goldmine Effect or something. And there, there's these ping pong players from this certain part of the world that are just, like, dominating and the reason why was because they trained in a garage and the table was smaller than the the like i don't know the standard table so they had their reactions had to be so much quicker and so there you would think oh well we're not playing on regulation size table that's going to impede my development but actually it took their development and maximized it and made them way better with what they thought would hold them back so we kind of have that mindset too yeah. yeah. Suska, I want to ask you this because obviously, Jill, you were bringing up the whole idea of planning and how important that is. With the limitations of COVID now, how much more important has planning become for you to make sure that you've got sessions that, that run that have multiple scenarios, that it's not all over the place and that there's an actual specific goal for the session? Well, I mean, I think that something good can come from anything. So uh, as a team, we really dove deep into um, changing our curriculum and becoming more teachers. So instead of thinking ourselves as coaches, we're thinking more of ourselves as teachers um, and, and adopting some of the teaching tactics that teachers actually use in the classroom. Um, and part of that is being laser focused on training, asking certain questions, the way you speak to kids um, in a training session where you're checking for understanding, things like that. Um, so we kind of restructured the way that we do our curriculum. Can I share my screen? So this is kind of how we structure our sessions now. So um, we'll have our little quick tactics um, set up and then the instructions on the side and every single uh, practice. So this is the third practice in our in our session. We have always have two intended outcomes from every single session. So our intended outcomes for this week, we're identifying pressure, space, and options and retaining our set shape. So we we're doing scenarios where it was close range shot stopping. Um, and we we're get, trying to get our kids to stay in that shape without popping out and like bracing themselves to be hit. Um, and then in order to simplify training and to um, pick up on some really important cues, we always write typical errors. So these are some things that are going to stop our kids from being successful. So uh, when scanning, which is what we think is the most important part of, um, of in possession, when they're not looking early enough um, to look for the pressure, to look for where they can take their touch in the space or play into space options. Um, then we always have questions. These are questions that we want to probe to check for understanding. So um, if, a, if a goalkeeper is taking a touch underneath their body and they get closed down on and they get stripped, maybe the question is, well, where is the space? It's not, well, why did you get stripped? It's where's the space? Because then you can move into that space. Um, how can we exploit the space to our advantage? So um, we always have a list of questions. And then sometimes the session doesn't go as planned and you need to take a step back. So we always have a few regressions that you can add or ways to change the, the training to make it simpler for that group. And then we always have a way that you can progress it. So um, that would be our third practice right there. This is our second practice. Um, and I'll show you guys what this training film looks like. Uh, and this is our first practice. And again, 
we only have two intended outcomes for every single training session. So I don't know about you guys, but when I first started coaching, like I would just go out and I would set up my session and I would execute my session and whatever the kid got out of that is what they got out of it. So, um, you know, I would get feedback from anything from set shape to first touch to diving shape, anything, whatever I saw, I just like word vomit it all over them. And when kids, <laughs> and when kids left, their heads were spinning and they didn't have any clear takeaways, like zero takeaways. They're like, uh, I'm just so overloaded. And I can kind of understand that. Like, I don't know how you felt, Saskia, but my first training session with the national team or like my first month, I felt like my head was spinning the entire time because it was just, I could, I, it was too fast and I, my head couldn't think about all these things. So um, two outcomes and that's it. And all of our questions and all of our feedback are targeted to those two intended outcomes. Um, so th these were our practice um, plans. And then here's a little bit of like what that might look like. By the way, Jill, you're just going to talk for the next hour. Omar, Suski, and I, we're, we can be just quiet and literally watch. This is awesome. This is so... Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I didn't mean that like in a derogatory way. I mean, like, I'm, I want to take screenshots here and stuff because like... The, I'll the send you all this. Oh, my God. I'm like, you're the most, you're the most organized <laughs> guest we've ever had. <laughs> wow. I'm like sitting here like, she's like, can I take over your screen? <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, Franz Hook wouldn't even say anything right now. Let's I'm going to record it. you saying that I'm organized because my wife thinks that I'm like literally the most unorganized human. So this is good. <laughs> um, actually, I'll show you our, this is our second practice. So we did a little okay, okay. in possession thing first. And then this is, we went straight into handling and did some combinations with close range shot stopping. And the only feedback that we were giving was feedback that would be pertaining to their shape in these close range scenarios. In regards to both positive and negative on the shape or are you focusing yep. just, okay. No, we would ask positive questions. We would ask negative questions. We would say, well, what did you see? Why did you make that decision? What would you do different? When is it hard? That's a really good question that we ask. When is it hard? Um, so that was our first, second practice. This is something that we'd end on. So we are looking to find through passes. That's something that we've really been focusing on with Kaylin is can we find those through passes? Cause we think that they will lead to final third entries more often and then retaining her set shape because she pops out of her shape a lot um, for those close range reactions. So that's what our session kind of looks like a little snapshot. Um, Look at me, I'm like, how old is Kaylin? <laughs> it, I'm not, yeah, I'm not mean, allowed no to do how, that technically. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but um, the the cool thing about something that happened in coronavirus is Zoom. Like I didn't know what Zoom was before coronavirus, right? So we've really taken that and we've um, we've tried to run with it and use it to our benefit. So we meet um, every Sunday. Our goalkeepers meet every Sunday, and we do um, a presentation with them every Sunday. So recap what's one of the most important things that you need to do when your team um, has the ball and they've already learned this so we're trying to get them to recall what they've learned because you guys know you teach one you teach one thing and then by the time they come back next week they've already forgotten that so we have to recap and we we ask them midweek and then again on Sunday what have you learned or what did you learn last week essentially and we wanted them to come up with the idea of scanning um, scanning for pressure is the most important, space is options, 
And then this week we give new information. This week we're gonna scan for pressure and spaces because last week it was simple, just scan for your options. Um, and then we give little clips from different leagues around the world. So some Premier League stuff, some- I'm Taking notes here at Omar? <laughs> Um, but we give them just different ways uh, to basically solve pressure. Then we go back, what was the most important aspect of shot stopping, set shape, and then we give some different scenarios again um, to help them recall. And we do different things where we're on Zoom and we do, all right, uh, Mike, tell me one thing that you learned last week. And Saskia, how did that impact you on set shape? And Omar, how might your set shape might be different than Saskia's set shape? Or how might you handle that different? in this scenario. Um, and we get them to constantly, <laughs> we get them to constantly be thinking. I'm sorry, um, I had to, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the more we can get them to think about the position and think about their decisions and take ownership of their actions, um, we think the better off they're gonna be. So they come into TKI, they know exactly what we're working on. They come to the whiteboard, there's two arrival questions that they have to think about during their warm-up. After their warm-up, we go over those arrival questions. We go over the session on the whiteboard. And then in the middle of training, we do what's called a halftime huddle. So just like in the game, you have your game plan in the beginning of your game, you've got a halftime, we've got a halftime huddle, the kids get together, they talk about what went well, what was difficult, how can we be better moving forward. And at the end of training, we do what's called a three, two, one debrief. There's three questions with at least two people. And that's kind of how we run our sessions. Jill, I have a question. How organized is Maria if she considers you disorganized? <laughs> <laughs> like, straight uh, up. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I, we're all I just mean, looking here. We're like, man, like, man I think I've got to like, hold God, I really got to step my game up right now. I'm like, oh. I mean, Maria has like a spreadsheet on like when's the last time I went to the dentist. So, I mean, she's super organized. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I have, a, I have a question about this right here. Um, Omar, obviously you oh. do a lot of a lot of training videos and, and on all that sort of a thing uh, online. I'm, I'm sure pretty people are familiar with that in regards to the breakdowns and all that. Um, is this is this something that you think that like um, a lot more people need to focus on when when they're putting uh, putting on a, a session on video or anything like that is showing um, the errors that could potentially happen as well too, and also the positives that they're going to get out of the session when they're posting something so that it doesn't just come across as like, here's my session, here's X to Y, and you go ahead and you try it. Uh, I would say 100% yes, but like, you, like you've seen with this, that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and that shows you the difference between the fakers and the, and the real people who actually are the ones who are making things happen. And even just watching like Jill break everything down and, and from a coach's perspective and from a goalkeeper's perspective, you're telling me that I broke down hours and hours of YouTube videos when I was 13 years old and I could have just gone to TKI myself <laughs> and, had, and had this given to me. I would have, I would have been a cooler kid in school. I would have been like, I would have gone to more parties. I would have done a lot more cooler things. And I'm just sitting at home trying to download my own YouTube clips and watching games that like, there's no DVR. So I have to wake up at 5 a.m. and watch these games. Oh my God. So yes, to answer your question, yes. But like, again, you have, you see how organized you have to be and how much, not I'll say how much soccer you have to watch, but like to catch clips that not justify your sessions, but that show the reasonings behind your sessions. And like, if you want to show people the reasonings, this is why I did it. This is where I, you know, kind of drew the inspiration from. That takes hours. Like I, I watch YouTube, USL clips every, every Sunday night, MLS clips every Sunday night. 
and I have like a whole list of YouTube notes of like, okay, you know, this is where the block save was used. This is where a bottom hand save was used. This is when the goalkeeper shouldn't have used the bottom hand. You should have done this. So I have all those notes. But again, having a coach after hours come to the session with all this information prior and show me a picture of what I'm going to do, that's priceless. And I feel like that's, I mean, that's, that's to the highest order of goalkeeping right there. Yeah. Can I no, show no. you guys one more thing on my computer? Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yes. yes. We can be here all day. Trust me. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling. So I, I do believe that session design is so important. And I, I, I firmly believe that you, you should create sessions that are as game specific and game realistic as possible. Um, and technical is important. Don't get me wrong. And there are times and places for just working on like technique after technique. Um, but I think the easiest thing ever is to watch the game and then to say, all right, here's a great scenario. And I see this recurring, recurring, recurring. So let's try to just set this up based on what I see. So what I do is um, I, use, I have Y Scout. And so I download like different training or I do different game films and then I categorize them all into these different folders. And then, so like, if you wanted to look at distribution, all of these clips are like, all right, how can I attract pressure working on first touch angle of support or backpedal to create more time and space. So, um, any time that I'm like, all right, I see uh, that our students really need to work on solving pressure uh, that's coming from one side because they need to have a different body shape or receive the ball on their back foot or take a touch in the, into space. We just shoot this into um, our Google Drive and they can take a look at it uh, during the week or whenever they have time on their own accord. Um, but it's, it's really simple and easy to do this kind of stuff and it will benefit your training so much more because when you can laser pinpoint one thing that you want to work on or two things you want to work on, you get so much more accomplished. Like I kind of imagine it to be like when you go hunting, if you shoot for five birds, you're going to miss all five. But if you just laser pinpoint on one, you've got a better chance to, to make it happen. So um, we're really specific because we want to give our kids as many options as possible, but we try one thing at a time until so they can understand and um, like apply it and then we move forward so it can't be just like oh i tried to work on um taking my touch into space and i taught that last week they should know that so i'm going to move on it's we have to check for understanding to see if they actually do know that and if they can apply it that, see that's that's a question that I, that I have for you jill and i don't know if anybody else is on, on the same page in regards to this um is what do you do when for lack of better term the kids don't do their homework and does and how and you, like I know that you saw in your session in your session plans that you had like um, ways to make adjustments, you know, based on you know this isn't here yet or this isn't there yet. Um, but what do you have is a, there's one kid that's just not on the same page as the others, and then also you know one of the situations that a lot of coaches come into a lot of times in the play, especially in the youth youth game, is so and so hasn't been there for six weeks and now they're there, and now we've done six weeks of, of curriculum buildup and now someone kills thrown into thrown into this, uh, this scenario. And it's, and it's making it difficult for me to, to get the quality that I want out of the session. Yeah, I, I do think that that is a great question. Um, I think we tip it, like, I don't really run into that problem too much because, um, mostly our kids come maybe, maybe miss a session here or there, but we actually record all our Zooms and put them in Google Drive so they can see them even if they can't be there. So most of our kids do watch simply because when they come to training, they don't want to be called on and not know the answer. 
Um, and most of our kids are there because they want to be there. It's not like club soccer where your parents sign them up and they have to go. Um, they actually choose to get extra training. So um, it's to their benefit to know what we're doing. But um, if there is a, a student that's struggling, like let's say one of our kids can't get set shape, then I have to gear my questions toward that because that would be a building block for us. Like set shape is super important. Um, and scanning would be a building block for us. So if they can't get those things down, I we have interns at our training session. So the intern might take that goalkeeper aside and help them um, apart from the group so that they can integrate them back into the group, which is a good way. Um, and if not, there's really good ways, I think, with saying to your to your other students, like, hey, um, you know, maybe Cole is needs some help with his set shape. So in between repetitions, can you give him some guidance on that? Can you say, hey, like, let's watch, um, let's watch Mike and watch his set shape. Look at his feet inside shoulder width apart. And so therefore, you're building the leadership component of um, maybe your more advanced students. And you're also, um, you're also like, you're like manipulating the session to like a get the result that you know that your goalkeepers need, but B to um, advance some of the other goalkeepers areas of their game that aren't necessarily just like shot stopping. I mean, I, I love that whole, you know, and that's something that we, we've, we've spoken about on the show. Saskia, I know you've always been really big about this type of that mentorship, that leadership of the older goalkeepers in an academy to really help out those younger ones. And I think that that's, you're developing, I, I'm, I've always been the believer in like, you want to develop coaches. It's like, you want to develop people that, that understand the game to the point that you can start hiring them to work for you. You know, um, not everybody's going to want to be a coach, but at least to, to start understanding why, why something's being done and how to convey it to somebody. Then they're, they're looking at the other players. They're identifying the mistakes that they're making and how to adjust them. And that, that just comes into their own play in itself. Like, to watch. I always make our keepers watch. I'm like, you know, you're not in the drill. You're standing here. You're watching. Watch what Lauren's doing right. Watch what um, Hannah's doing right. Watch what somebody's doing wrong. Like, do you see it? Do you see, you know, um, how their body weight was? Do you see this? Like, learn from that. And then at the same time, be able to self-coach yourself. Um, and, and yeah, mentor. And uh, yeah. the one thing I love about, um, all our keepers at UCLA is they'll talk to each other. They'll be like, Hey, you know, E, you were still moving when you were coming for that. You didn't get set early enough and stuff. And they'll, and it's not like an ego thing. And I'm like, cause I won't have that. I'm like, you guys have to be able to work together. You have to be able to communicate together and talk and, and help lift each other and help, help grow as a group and they do and i love it sometimes i just sit back and i'm just like all right she's right you know and so and they take it and 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 then yes that evolves into coaches but to be able at this age to self-coach to self-coach is huge i i will turn and say what happened you tell me i can tell you you tell me and if they're right yeah you're absolutely right don't do it again (laughs) <laughs> but if you're not like if, if if you're not sure what what happened then we'll break it down and we'll go over it um and um that's just a huge part of education as a goalkeeper period i i just think i just think it's such a vital 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 component that that allowing the goalkeeper to and and jill I, what one thing that you brought up that really i love is that that whole empowerment element is in that you're empowering the goalkeeper to learn how to figure this out on their own absolutely um, you know, and, and, and that I sat back today at practice and I just sat back 
and I, we were doing a shooting drill and I'm what I'm, I always stand behind the goal center behind the goal. I'm like, are they going to figure out why they keep getting scored on? And I literally sat back and I was just like, all right, are they going to figure it out? Are these two keep, are they going to, are they going to make the adjustment? Because the adjustment to me was obvious, you know, and, and you know, we took a break and they hadn't, they had, I'm like, why do you, have you guys figured this out yet? Why? What's your adjustment that you have to make? And it was just, a, it was a positioning adjustment. It was, they were too close to their line in the shooting drill that was too tight in the box. And I'm just like, what are you doing? The ball's like 10 yards away from you. Why are you on your line? You know, but they hadn't, like, it didn't click. And so, and the next, the next group, because we have to split groups, the next group, it didn't click. They, they started off like that, but then they made the adjustment themselves. And so like, yes, I sit back and, and see if they're going at this level, at UCLA level, yes, I'm gonna see if they can have, be able to identify that and adjust it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's sometimes why session design is so important, but there's so many other uh, really important factors of training. So like you have your session, but then how do you coach your session? Because like you're saying, language is so important. Um, like I'll ask my kids experiment with your positioning because it's just, it's a little off, right? Experiment with it. You try, um, try to, try to set somewhere different than you did yeah. in the last repetition. I try not to say you should do this. No, um, no, 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 no. Yeah. But use the word you could, you know, kids ask, could, should I do that? And I'm like, well, you could, that's one solution. And there's, there's plenty of different solutions. Yeah. Um, and we've always talked about that. It's a gray area and each keeper is going to be different. Like he's going to set differently than Lauren's going to set and stuff. And um, how to handle a certain situation depends on the keeper that it is. But I say the same thing and it, whether it's, you know, let's extend your range here. Let's, let's, let's try some stuff, you know, like we can be comfortable in practice and we can do what's safe us but this is practice like you know how do how do we know how much better we can get or how much further we can go on a cross or a, you know on a slide ball or something if we don't try you know you can just keep dropping in and get blown into the back of the net or you can try <laughs> you know let's see your range it's going to be different for everybody verbiage uh, is incredibly important i want all the viewers right now to know that omar is still here he uh he's, he's been here <laughs> He's been here this entire time, uh, just listening and listening intently. This is some of the most quiet I've I've seen Omar in in a while, and he's since not watching Fronto, a Premier League game since the Bronze yeah. Oak episode. <laughs> I I talk too much. No, I just feel like there's enough uh, enough high quality information that's being let out that I need to just sit back and listen because I I have a different you know system of what I do things. I get kids once twice a week at most, so continuation is very difficult for me. So I get a lot of kids who. Um, you know, want to work on specific things. So I don't have the carryover every single week. They'll see me one week, they'll go on vacation with their families, whatever. But then by the time I come back, now we're just fine tuning their technique versus actually building off something. So um, well, I know I want to create an academy at some point and build a facility here in California at some point. Um, so just listening to these little like, you know, tidbits from, uh, from Jill and, and of course Oscar too, is just like getting those pieces that I can piece together at some point. Yeah, you know, I, I want to bring this up right now because, uh, you know, one of the things, Jill, is obviously it's it's so profound and it's so advanced what what you've put together in regards to your curriculum and and how you, and how you have your sessions. I want a lot of people still to understand out there that just complex or a compound activities does not necessarily mean difficult. You know, it's still about like my my concern is that somebody like you know somebody like an Omar type, not necessarily Omar, will take that and go, cool, I'm going to do that. And then they try to do that and they try to implement that. And they're like, well, this doesn't look, 
this isn't, doesn't look like what, I, what I'm seeing at TKI. What am I doing wrong? So kind of what advice do you give to those types of, you know, who coaches who are seeing your content and they're, they're overcomplicating what they're seeing? Yeah, I think knowing your why is going to be the most important thing of like, why are you doing that? And um, we've designed our curriculum based off of what we think it will take for goalkeepers to develop all different aspects of their game. So, I mean, I could give you guys some more slides, but we have like what we think embodies the modern day goalkeeper, all the attributes. And that's how we design our sessions. And so, um, you know, we believe that goalkeepers have to be pressure resistant and to be able to solve pressure different ways. So, all right, that's what it looks like at the top. So these are the ways I'm going to build that. And I'm going to first start with the foundations, obviously, um, the, the technique of passing. And then I'm going to talk about scanning. And, and that is what we've developed. We've developed our methods, our ideas of of what it's going to take and we've basically broken down some complex um you know rocket science to abcs and um that's essentially how we build our sessions so but unless you know why you're doing what you're doing um or what you want to get out of the session you're going to miss your target every time so yeah you can absolutely take our curriculum and you can use it yourself and we want to help people and that's why we post it but I would just challenge people to know what your target is, what do you want to get out of sessions, and why are you doing it? And, you know, there's some techniques out there that I probably would never coach because, you know, I don't think that it really applies to the game. And so we don't. And, and that's my opinion, but you have your opinion. And I, I really challenge you to find your identity as a coach um, and base it in what goalkeepers are seeing week to week. I have the pleasure. I have the pleasure of seeing them in a game situation every day. Like, um, and so that's different, you know, like, you know, I have my session and then, then we have, you know, half the time it's, it's small sided or whatever it is right now with um, Corona and stuff like that. So I can see them. And if, if they're applying this into um, more, more of a game situation with field players and everything like that, and then build my set, build kind of my sessions have, have, you know, from the beginning of training to now have kind of curtailed into to, to what each individual is dealing with, because they're four. So what each individual is dealing with, but also making a session that can utilize, can, can focus on each thing for each person and, and at the same time. And Absolutely. again, it's not overblown. It's not, hey, you need to do this, this, you need to focus on this, this, this. It's literally one thing to two things for each keeper right now. And it's just like, you know, th yes, they're at the highest level, but it's still like, you know, you aren't getting set on time. You're, you know, you're not going to answer the ball. Like it's literally, and then it's making that session. So it kind of works for everybody. Um, and then going again and seeing how it applies into a game-like situation. Because I can sit there and do sessions all day long, but if they're not taking that knowledge and it's not translating into a game situation, then there's a disconnect, yeah. you know? And I'm like, you're not, you're well, great. You're doing it fine when we're doing a session, when it's just goalkeepers and stuff like that. But once we get into game, game like situations and Mia's coming at you and, and you're just not doing it now, why, where's the disconnect? And yeah, that's yeah. I have a question about that, Jill, because obviously, you know, you're, you're running an independent, you know, program, you know, uh, with a curriculum on its own away no, from No, but I'm saying that's, I, that's a pleasure that I have, it's a gift that oh, I have in this oh, situation. Oh, oh, no, 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 I know. I, I'm, I'm talking about, but in, in Jill's situation where like she doesn't, she doesn't have a, 
feel players from another team or, and I don't know if you guys ever do that. If you ever bring in youth clubs to, to train with your goalkeepers or whatever, but do you ever, you know, watch the tape of, of, of their youth games and see like, Oh, this isn't really resonating. What you're doing here at the Academy is not being translated onto the field right there. And, and how do you make, and how do you, how do you help a goalkeeper with that? Yeah, that's a really good question and a hurdle that we face. So um, kids that have come in and maybe in our programs or individuals, we have that issue. Um, but we can't go to everyone's game every week. Um, so we ask we ask them to bring us film. So just today I had a student come um, to training, did an individual in a small group with some of our other coaches. And then she had sent me like 15 clips from her game. So her mom literally put her phone on um, and recorded. it. It wasn't great quality, but we were able to look at it and she's able to make some adjustments. Um, so that's our small groups and our individuals, but we do work with a club that's in the GA. Um, so we work with their goalkeepers and we have, we see them twice a week. We do the zoom calls with them. So really we have three touch points with them per week. And then we do IDPs with them each season and we chat with them and their coach, um, we will on a zoom call um all together to see if you're like what you're saying is are they connecting the dots from what we're working on in training to game day um and i think it's incredibly important that a goalkeeper coach has that connection with the head coach um in a club if, if you super important um that you have a relationship with the head coach um but they get all of our curriculum so they know what we're working on week to week and then they can they can add feedback if they choose Absolutely. so in their training sessions. Um, hey, I know this week with CK, you worked on um, solving pressure by backpedaling. I think there's a circumstance that you can try it. Um, so yeah, it, it's really important and it, it is difficult. I mean, we, t we work with a lot of different goalkeepers, but um, it's a challenge that our coaches have to figure out. No, but it's awesome that you have that open communication because you, you have to, like even when, when I was coaching club here, I don't anymore. But even when I was coaching club here, like I had that open communication, like I can't get to every game. And, you know, it would be the feedback from Kelly and everybody like this is how the goal broke down. And uh, hopefully I'd see some video and stuff and, and, and even be on the same page and to educate the, the coach because a lot of times it's a field player coach that thinks the goal happened for one reason and you see the break you see it and you're like, No, that's not why. Yeah. Like, you know, this, this, this is why, and, you know, and actually have to educate them as well. Um, but it's really important. I think all anybody watching and stuff, you have to make sure you're, what you're coaching is translating because like I said, we, I can sit here and I can do rep, you know, we could do repetition situations over and over again and you're going to get it. But if that one time comes up in a game and you don't do it, then it's not translating over. So it's yeah. like, great, I'm glad you did it in practice, but who cares at the end of the day because you're not doing it in the game. Um, right. And it's really important as goalkeeper coaches and, and, and everybody that we make sure that that, that's, that switch is on and, and kids yeah. are Totally agree with you. And sometimes the reason why kids uh, don't execute what they're working on in training isn't because they don't understand it, right? Like our kids understand how to solve pressure. Right. The, 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 <laughs> the, the reason why they're not doing it in a game is because they're scared, they're nervous, they're hesitating, they are fearful to make a mistake. And so it's not that sometimes it's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's totally being, it is, it is an interference that is something else um, outside of what they know. I and, totally and, agree. And then they go yeah. back to their bad habit. They go yep. back, to, they go back to this weird bad habit that you've been working on to try to break because it's just out of fear. It's just, yep. 
Yeah, and I, I think as coaches, we have to discern, is it that they don't know or is that they're afraid? And um, it's super important, at least we, you know, when we're training, that we create an environment that is um, free to fail, like a culture of failure. Like we literally say to our kids when they walk in the door, you know today you're not going to be a 10 out of 10. Like I, I work with these kids. They're my favorite class. They're 10 years old, 10, 11, and 12. And I, every time they walk in, I go, you know, you're going to fail today. You're not going to be a 10 out of 10. And they're excited about that because they mm -hmm. know that's when they're going to grow the most. It's you how know? you learn. Yeah. It's how you learn. And that's the same thing that goes back to me saying, stop being so safe. Like at, even at this highest level with UCLA and the, you know, these kids that can go on to play pro and national team pool and stuff. I'm like, st stop being safe. Like you're at practice, we're at practice. Like, let's see where we can go with this. Let's push this. I know you can do this. I know you can do that, but what more can you do? Be, uh, be okay to fail, be okay. Yeah. And I'll tell, them, I'll tell them, go with two hands and, and try to catch that ball and, if you, and, and hold on to it instead of just parrying it automatically. And if you don't, I'm okay with that because I know what you're doing. Like, I yeah. know that you're making the effort to say, I'm so used to parrying this ball, parrying this ball. Oh, my God, which drives me crazy. Parrying this ball. No, now I'm going to try to hold on to this. Because now you want to go to the next level. You just gave up a corner kick. You just gave up a rebound and stuff like that. But if I'm at practice and you want to get to the next level, then let's let's extend you and let's let's challenge you and let's get a, like a, somewhere in the middle that you can actually save some of these balls and hold on to them. But don't play yeah. it safe, you know, and yeah. allow them to fail. It's okay to yeah. fail. I, I have I a question for – go ahead, go ahead, Jill. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add on to that. It's like in those circumstances, we manipulate the game rules, and so they have to try different things. So we'll say like, like in your example of catch everything, we'll say, all right, well, we want them to work on holding things better or putting their rebounds in a good place. So we'll add a striker into the box inside Absolutely. the six so they can finish. And if we and if they put the rebounds out in a good place, we'll say, okay, well, if you give up three um, corner kicks, that's a point for the attacking team. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So then we're putting the decision back in their hands and we're saying, all right, well, you want to give up a rebound, that's fine, but it's got to be in a good area or else you're going to get punished. And so yeah, absolutely. they they kind of figure out on their own, like, all right, I, I want to hold it, but if I try to hold too much and I go with two hands for too long, I can't extend my range. Um, so we, we try to manipulate the games to, to help them with those, those like little no, detailed like decisions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you're saying right there. Um, because it was actually, it was making me think in regards to the consequences, consequences and Omar, I know you as a private coach, it's a little bit more difficult because a lot of times the, the problem, like, like Joe was talking about is like the implementation into actual games. They start seeing training as different training with Omar is different than playing in a game. You know, so training with you becomes theory or concept, but playing in the game becomes like, oh, well, now this is actually really happening. So I know that you this summer have really been trying to implement like those consequences in your training sessions. So they start understanding how this is realistic to what's going to happen to them in a game. And then those triggers, they start recognizing those triggers and those and, and seeing the themes. And then they go, I've seen this before. Now I know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a. Uh... I think I, I think we had Paul Rogers on the podcast and he was telling me that, you know, whenever he has situations where if let's say the last rep out of the, let's say six out of six reps, the last rep, he scores a goal through the goalkeeper's legs. He says, you know what? That's life. Move on. Next goalkeeper in. He's like, I don't, I don't allow them to say that the last rep has to be good. 
you know, once they, you know, step into a game, that's the environment, that's kind of the harshness of the game. So I'm going to try and create that environment in my session. So, uh, you know, little things like that, that I could try and do with my goalkeepers. Again, I feel like I'm a nice guy. So the kids that I train, I always want to be on their good graces. You know, I want to be on their good graces and I always want to, you know, show them respect. They show me respect. That's how it works. Then I kind of heard Paul Rogers and, you know, certain other coaches who were saying, you know, I watched Chris Sharp too in his sessions and the back and forth that he has with his players. You can tell there's respect, but also an expectation. So for me, every session that I've had now with even younger kids, older kids, college kids, the last rep, uh, uh, if you don't, if you don't make the save or if it's a bad goal, next person in. And sometimes they look at me like, well, I'm paying you to, they don't say, but I can tell. Maybe it's just my, maybe, maybe just I'm my, paying my own, you to make me feel better. <laughs> my own insecurity. I'm like, they're here to get better. So I'm like, you know what? Next person go in. So they go in and then like the next rep, you can see the sharpness, like how much more intent they are to make sure that, that their last rep or that they look good at, you know, amongst the, the their, their, uh, amongst their peers or they give a, a bad rebound and they kind of just sit on the floor. I mean, even if I have to run all the way across the field, I'm running to go get it, taking a touch and putting it on frame. You know what I mean? So just like little things like that to try and create their, their uh, you know, the, as much of the perception of the game as possible. And just one thing also, too, that we, you guys were discussing is obviously how everything, you know, should be game realistic. And that's kind of one thing as a private coach that I've been trying to do with like, you know, I don't usually have more than three or four kids in my groups that try to keep them smaller for that reason. And it's just like understanding, okay, like this is the big, this is the bigger play that I'm trying to, uh, to accomplish today. So, this past weekend, I had, you know, balls over the top into space. So, you know, recovering from your 18 back to your angle. So once you recover back to your angle, you're probably going to be faced with a 1v1 or an angle, like, you know, reaction shot. So I started Where'd you find a park with enough space to do that, by the way, Omar? I'd like to know. You know, I, I put it on the big board. I said, this is where the play is going to start. And then the ball's going to come <laughs> into play. Just envision that we're playing on a bigger field. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just like... I'm just peeling everything back for them. So we start off with, you know, stopping and starting. So for example, they're recovering back to their line. I bounce the ball and then that triggers them to step forward and close down the angle just a little bit. So just feeling out those little things, then slowly but surely I'm going, okay, now we're going to, you're shifting from the middle of the goal to the angle. And now you're getting get a shot from like four to six yards. Make sure you're getting there, fast approach, slow arrival, set, balance, and make a save. After that, now, okay, now you're, now you're actually recovering from the 18 back to your line. And as that ball comes through, the ball's going to be bouncing. I'm either going to chest it, put it down, take it for a 1v1. So I'm just trying to make as much as I can with what I have, like Joe said earlier in the, uh, in the podcast. So whatever you guys have, let's try and make it and simulate it as much as you possibly can. And sometimes visually you can't accomplish that, but it's more like the verbal, like how, how you present it to them. This is what I want you to try and believe, in my opinion. That that's how sometimes you can kind of, you know, break down those barriers that you may have, you know, obstacles that you may, you know, come, come up against in your sessions. But, I mean, like Jill said earlier, though, I, there there is a time for technical work, period. Totally, you know, yeah. and, I, and I know we always talk about that on the podcast, like, game, you know, um, game realistic, this, that, the other. But sometimes, you know, there is time for – and I get – I make sure, you know, we also have to break that down as well because if you're – if you don't have the technical side down, like, all the other stuff is, is – it's going to lag in a sense. And there is yeah. time, and I'm just saying that to anybody watching and, and everybody out there, that, yeah, you got to get the technical stuff in, too. It's okay <laughs> to do footwork. Yeah. It's okay to do handling. It's okay to do all that, you know. But once you start getting into movement and into a session, you want to integrate game, you know, game-realistic scenarios. You know, I, I have a question about that, Jill, in regards to TKI. And, and by the way, I, I want to give, you know, one of the shout outs to you, uh, Jill, is that, you know, a couple of years ago when I first started watching TKI videos, it very much made me change my approach to how to uh, develop a training session. And because I saw how 
I, I don't want to say exciting the session was. I mean, you guys weren't flying through hoops and stuff like that. But, you know, you were, but it was. Well, in was California, all... you could skip the ball off the ocean and then just dive. Like, apparently, that's my favorite YouTube video of all. <laughs> but it but it was um but but every, everyone was active everyone was involved everyone was invested it wasn't just passive servers and stuff like that and, and one thing it made me realize is one of the reasons that i personally i think one of one of my strengths was is that i i was really good at playing training so it got me on rosters because i looked you really were a training good at, keeper i was a training keeper I was really good really good at training and then what happened is I started just becoming those training sessions and I knew the movements because everything was so repetitive and, and obviously modern goalkeeping is so different than, than even just, you know, 10, 15 years ago, how, how we were training. And, and when I got into the game, it was, it was a completely different story. My mindset, my mindset changed. And that's why I'm here with a microphone uh, instead of playing today. Um, no. Um, but what, what, what was my theory? Oh yeah. So how do we, how do we make sure that we're still doing that isolation technical training but still getting this, this game element. Because I, I agree with you, Saskia, but like, should that be just in, in the beginning with our, our introductory, you know, uh, warm-up, quote-unquote, before we get into the game activity? Um, that's a really good question and something that I'm still trying to investigate myself. I'm a recovering technician. Um, when I played, I was a technician. Um, that was my strongest part of my game. Um, I, was the, I was the best goalkeeper in small-sided because there was no decisions to be made. It was communicate, organize your back line, and the there's no decisions. Do you have to protect the space in behind the back line, or do I come out on a flank service? It's all shot stopping, close range, fast pace, um, organized, and that was my strong suit. And as soon as I got into games, I couldn't make decisions for myself because it didn't look like training. It didn't look like what I was seeing every day, um, but I knew that was what made me successful. And so um, when I started coaching, I was like, well, if being technical made me successful that's how I'm going to teach my goalkeepers what they should do and so I just beat a dead horse with the technique 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 and all of a sudden I was like what the heck like I'm making all these like little robots that look like me when I played but <laughs> any decisions on game days you know um and I think that you have to have some like non-negotiable things you know set shape and, and that's gonna be different from everyone but I think I realized that there's more flexibility in the game than um then I gave it credit for. And I thought everything had to be a certain way, had to be done a certain way. Like if I came out on that one V one to make it a 50, 50, you should too. Um, even though maybe you're stronger at setting back and reacting to things, mm -hmm. you know, and there's more flexibility in it. Um, I think that there are certain aspects of the game that you have to teach technically, like how to come out um, and win a ball in a 50, 50 situation. Kids are going to get hurt if you don't teach them the right way how to do that, right? Um, kids are going to get hurt if you don't teach them how to absorb pace. And so those things are important. But I do think that there are um, ways to integrate technique into your tactical session. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, no, I agree. I agree certainly, yeah, certainly there are some times where you need to break things down super, super technical. Like if I just took a kid off the street and was like, all right, we're going to block today. I'm then getting the goal and figure it out. That, that wouldn't work, right? If you put me on a black diamond with skis, I would not be able to figure that out, right? I would need to learn whatever, pizza, whatever they say. Um, and that's dangerous, right? But you mean like with the wedge? Yeah, yeah. skis. With the wedge? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are, so there are some, some parts of the game that you certainly, certainly have to break down. They're super technical. 
for safety reasons, but um, also depending on like the learning abilities of your kids, you know, sometimes yeah. it takes kids a lot longer to learn something and you have to find different ways to figure it out. But like positioning, I'm going to just put that into every session. That's going to be a focus on every session. Like, you know, there's, you don't have to break down every single little thing technically, just give them movement solutions and let them explore different ways to, to do it. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think for me, I, it's more integrated into the into the session as well, like the like technique. And again, I'm talking about a higher level. So, you know, but when I was when I was I was making me think of what you said when I was doing club, and I'm like two months into like you know training these kids and everything, and we've gone through a progression, everything's great, and all of a sudden I got a kid coming over, like, oh, Coach Melly told me to come over and try goalkeeping, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> like awesome the kid can't even catch and we're working oh. on like we're working on breakaways right now or something because of the oh. progression and i'm sitting here trying to teach a kid how to catch and i got five kids doing breakaways and like i'm just like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah see that that that's one of that's one of the joys of, of of coaching coaching youth club is i especially at the younger ages when you get like a, you're doing like a nines or tens group and then all of a sudden some random like U nine just shows up and they're like, I don't know. Well, this is, this kid's trying out to be a goalkeeper. He's coming from ASO. So we, we sent him over to goalkeeper training with you today. I'm like, right. mm. or every uh, once in a while they play in goal. So can you teach him some stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. Oh yeah. That's my guess. My goalkeeper's injured this weekend. So-and-so is going to come and learn goalkeeping for the week. I'm like, no, don't, don't send them to me. Just play field in goal. And, and if you want to catch a ball, your hands fine and kick it. No, I'm not teaching you goalkeeping in a day. It's not going to happen. Because I'm just going to muddle your brain. And, you know, just keep the ball in the net, kid. <laughs> no, speaking, of, speaking of the positioning thing, Omar, I want, I want to ask you this because, you know, obviously you post a lot of videos, as, as you do, Jill, as well, too. But, um, you know, uh, you, a lot of times in the past, let's just say, you maybe have run sessions in, in unrealistic areas to – to where the activities would actually take place in the game, whether there's a space utilization resource or, or whatever. And I know you've done, been trying to do a much more of a service of actually making sure that you're doing any sort of, any sort of activity within a realistic area to when it's going to happen in the game. Um, how much have you noticed a difference in regards to your goalkeeper's understanding of positioning now that you've been doing that? I would say that most, I mean, most of the people who I do train, whenever I, whenever I explain to them or whenever, let's say we're not in the, I guess on an 18 or we don't have proper lines. One thing is I actually go to home people a lot and I buy a lot of spray paint. So if you go to the park in Arcadia, you'll see a lot of like 18s being drawn out where the, the grass was good one week and then we ruined it. We moved over to the right a little bit more. So I'm always constantly drawing it out, trying to give them the best picture. But a lot of times when I have the kids that I train prior to the session, I'll ask them, what do you guys want to work on? And they'll tell me. And then I'll, you know, again, I have all my clips that I have on, on my YouTube stuff. And I'll send them the clips like, look, this is kind of what I'm looking for on the 1v1s tomorrow. This is what I'm going to try and set up. It's just a visual and understanding of what you, you know, what you can expect. So then they get the footage, they watch it. And then when they come to the training session, you know, I'll ask them. Usually they show up one after the other. And I'll just say, hey, like, did you see the clip I sent you about you know, De Gea on the 1v1? Like, oh, yeah, you know, I liked it when he, you know, came out. He was kind of wide, but he still was able to make the pick save. So those are the little discussions that we have. So now we have some terminology to build off of once we actually step into the session. And when we put it into the field, now they have a visual. So it doesn't have to necessarily be that the fields are drawn out and everything is perfectly set up. But now they have an idea and a visual based off the footage and based off our little conversations. And they can simulate and perceive it a certain way. 
and they have that muscle memory now in their head to have that mental recall whenever we have those little you know moments where they get beat between the legs and then we talk about hey what do you think remember when De Gea did that maybe you in this situation maybe you could drop your knee for a block save so again I try to give them as much of the perception of what the session is going to be like prior so that my job is not as hard when I don't have those lines or when I don't have the proper you know uh, distance and dimensions and all that my, my, my only my only concern with that playing devil's advocate Omar is in regards sure. to showing showing the video because um I know Franz Hoke is very big on you know you want to you, you know, you don't want to train, you don't want to train an idea or a concept. And that's a, that's David De Gea. And this is a 12 year old Johnny, you know, uh, and they're, the demands of their games are, are very different. Um, should, you know, uh, like I, I'm trying to think of like the best way, the best way to put this in a non, non, non negative standpoint, but um, how old, how old can you do this with, or, you know, like, I mean, Saskia or Jill, like, do, do you feel like you know, if you do this with like a, nine, 10, 11 year old, it's, it's going to go over their heads and they're going to be, be trying to do, you know, because pros move differently than, than a 10 year old does, you know? I mean, I, I agree with Franz shocking on that in the sense of, I don't, you know, this is Johnny. This isn't, this isn't David De Gea and um, the ball, the ball is not coming as hard The the, you know, whether he's playing in a regular size goal or not a regular, there's so many different scenarios and everything's a great area. Yes. I understand that they understand the, maybe they understand the training that they're going to, but I don't want them to emulate, emulate the keeper in a sense. Like we have to find that their way as a keeper, we have to find what, you know, they can handle what their strengths are and stuff. And I, I find that you get those kids that, I've gotten into club that yes, they watch a lot of um, other keepers and everything. And now I got kids that are, you know, doing K saves from like 15 yards away because that's what they saw. And I'm just like, really? I'm like, you're not even close enough to the ball or parrying everything. And I'm just like, why? Because that's what they see. And I'm just like, but that's not the situation. And I didn't kick the ball that hard, like catch it, you know, like it's like, and so it's, yes, I think watching it is, yes, obviously watching soccer is amazing. I'm never going to say no to that, but we have to, everybody has to find their own way in their own place. You can't say, this is who I want to be. I'm going to, I'm going to play just like them. You have to play like you and we're going to find the best version of you, period. Yeah. And, and, and I know, Angela, I, I know you got to wrap up right here. So we're, we're going to get to you right now, but Omar, I just want you to know, by the way, that this is not a negative on your, on your statement here. I was, no, just I like, to think, the, I understand yeah, yeah. what Omar's saying, but yeah. I would say my only thing would be like, you know, this is the session we're going to have, but this isn't who I want you to be in a sense. You know? I would just say most of the time too, like when you guys tell me these things, I'm not, I don't, I don't take offense to it. It's not, it, it wasn't I know even, I like it text wasn't you after I like text you after I'm like, I'm sorry. You mad at me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to make you look like in a bad light with Jill here. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I know Jill too. Like, I mean, we, I, I train mostly older kids. So that's, that's, I guess maybe I should have prefaced it with that is most of my film review is to the older kids and any film review that I send to the younger ones is of them doing exercises. Um, but mainly like the college kids and like the probably like later high school said senior year kind of kids, I'll send them that footage and I'll say, Hey, like, you know, or did you watch the footage that I just released on my Instagram channel? Did you see that? Or did you see my YouTube video of one of the goalkeepers? And some of the kids must be nice to be able to plug your, plug your content to your uh, clients. That's a, that's a, they bring it up to me. Like, Hey, I saw, uh, I, I posted one against, and uh, I against, I posted one last week of, uh, the Minnesota United goalkeeper, uh, Dane St. Clair. 
And he didn't make a save, but he's like moving powerfully, you know, just this shifting movements across the goal. And then like two of the kids who came to the session were like, Hey, so when uh, Dane St. Clair is moving around the goal and, you know, doing this, he didn't make a save, but that's what I want to look like today. So can you put me through session where I'm going to move consistently, you know, back and forth. I want to show you that I have good balance. So just like those kind of little things were like, I don't know, some people may not have even noticed that like before you make a save, you actually have to perform a movement. Like you said, Mike, a lot of kids are like, you know, training goalkeepers, they'll show up to training and, and not really understand the concepts of like why you're trying to do that. Which again, why like I like Jill's uh, setup where like the kids know exactly the potential outcomes and what you're trying to work on. So things are layered, but at the same time, it's digestible for them so they can walk, you know, walk out of training and go, oh my God, I worked on stability today. I worked on 1v1s. I worked on uh, moving quick, but not being, you know, uh, out of sorts. So all those little things are super important to verbalize so the kids have an idea of how they can see it within the session. And then hopefully potentially over time, they can feel that they're making progress with those little things. Yeah. Jill, Jill I, I know you need to head out of here. So anything you want to want to wrap up with before we give you a fantastic plug for TKI and for everybody <laughs> to check out all your content. No, I just want to piggyback what Omar said is like what he's doing is something that not everyone is doing. Not everyone is taking the time to show their kids film before their training. Um, and that is so important it's for kids to, so I could say to you, Mike, all right, I want you to paint the water lilies by Picasso. And if you've never seen the water lilies, how the heck are you supposed to do that? Right. But if you've seen it, you've got an idea of like, okay, well, uh, we'll start with this and we'll go to that, you know? And I think that it's important when showing video to kids that you ask questions like, um, how does what that goalkeeper did relate to your strengths or how does that relate to your game specifically? Would you make the same decision? Or, hey, can you identify one thing that goalkeeper did well in this sequence and, and how that relates to our intended outcome today? And I think it's um, really critical that you don't say, I'm going to set the scenario and I want you to solve the problem the exact way the hey it did. It is, I'm going to set the scene, I'm going to set the scenario, and what are some different solutions that you can come up with and let explore those solutions today in training? I, I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's a really succinct way to put it, and, and I love the fact that you brought up that a lot of the coaches don't, don't do that, and, and I think a lot of it is because of the fact is, is that I, I've tried to bring up video a lot of times, especially with the younger goalkeepers, Omar, and I think I should, I should also preface that as well, too is that it's been a mistake that I've made in the past is that I've shown video of, I, you know, I'm just gonna use David De Gea for an example right now, not trying to harp on David De Gea, but David De Gea, you know, to, to a 10 year old. Right yeah. To, to be uh, <laughs> as a, as a 10 year old or whatever. And then they go out there and then they're trying to be David De Gea as opposed yeah. to being, you know, themselves. Um, and, uh, and so I think it's just, and how you approach showing them the video and why you're showing them the video and what do you want them to watch in that in that video and the and the things like that? So I've been trying to do a better better job of that. Um, with with that being said, Jill, I know I know you got to get out of here. You got a big celebration you got to get to. So um, what what's the celebration? Oh, uh, it's Marie's dad's birthday. So I'm currently in the basement of their home while they're upstairs celebrating. Happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, oh I need oh to my. get some cake. South Jersey oh. partying is something else. <laughs> 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 I have done that. <laughs> that's a whole. Hey, that's a whole. I told you I had to explain it. I'm Central Jersey. Sorry. Central. By the way, what's what's the whole thing with this Wawa sandwich thing? There's the a Wawa. gas station. Wawa's the best, man. Uh, people oh, from damn. from our area, we just can't explain it. If you don't know, then we can't. You'll never understand. It's just. Uh, 
Damn, now I really miss Jersey. Gas stations and sandwiches. I've never thought it's that that would be a It's not gas combination. station sandwiches. That, like, yeah. they're, they're, I can't, I'll talk to you about it later. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. All right. Oh, my gosh. All right, Jill. If anybody wants to, wants to connect with you, um, I know how active you are. Actually, all of you at TKI are. Uh, a shout out to everybody at TKI. You know, um, just because we have Jill on right now does not mean that we, we don't, you know, recognize everybody who puts in all the hard work at TKI. You, you all have been absolutely fantastic. Um, where's the best place for people to connect with you personally, though? Um, I just started my own Instagram. So I'm pretty Ooh. sure I'm uh, TK Coach Jill, I think. See, that I'm not that bad, Mike. <laughs> I just started it, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or you can send me an email at jloydmattthekeeperinstitute.com um, or just follow us at The Keeper Institute. But yeah, awesome. TK Coach Jill, that's my handle. Cool. I'll be sending my resume over. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for having us on. And if you ever want to connect with any of our other coaches, they have amazing, amazing stuff as well. Coach Chris is bringing it with all the mental stuff and Tori with the strength conditioning. So um, they're a huge part of what we do. And we would not be who we are without everybody's help. And hey, Jill, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome. It's Thanks. I appreciate awesome. you guys. Appreciate oh you guys. 100%. It's so awesome. And you can reach out to Omar Zini at Pro GK Academy underscore Saskia Weber on all social media platforms at Saskia underscore Weber uh, at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media. Contact at inside the 18 number 18 media.com for guest suggestion or topic suggestion. Shout out to everybody who says, why don't you guys have TKI on all the time? Uh, and uh, Jill's been a little busy. She's She's had a busy, a bit busy, busy summer uh, with a with a lot with a lot going on. Even a little guy that's uh, that's made it a lot going on right there. So, all right. So, oh my gosh. Uh, all right, guys. That is all, all right. the time on Inside the 18, and we are out later. Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. The more followers we get, the more we can give back to the GK community. Let's all keep paying the knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, <laughs> live from Hollywood, California, having some technical issues. With me is an entire New Jersey contingent, uh, 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber. And joining us, or New Jersey in the house right now, we have Tampa Bay Rowdies goalkeeper, Evan Lauro. Evan, what's up, man? Thanks for dealing with uh, all these technical issues that we're having right now. No, no worries. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, uh, this is a little crazy, dude. I mean, it's like it's been the last 14 minutes or whatever. And my favorite thing is Suskia goes, yeah, let's just get, get, let's just get it going. Let's just get recording. Um, uh, Evan's getting bored already. Uh, he's, got, he's got things to do. He's got people to see. So uh, we're, we're glad we're finally getting into this here. Um, I'm honestly going to blame it again on the fires. I'm going to blame it on the fires. I'm going to blame it on 2020 in general. I think that's, uh, that's the issue that we're um, – Blame it on the debate. There we go. Oh. You want to play? You want to go there? Just blame it on the debate. 
you want to go want to go there we could uh we can definitely go there um uh, speaking speaking of non-political issues uh for some people out there evan who might not be familiar with you and kind of your journey kind of before we get into today's topic which is going to be recovery steps uh why don't you kind of just you know kind of tell people a little bit about your journey you know growing up in jersey in the red bull system then playing for red bull as a homegrown and, and then heading out to tampa bay yeah, so um, I joined the the Red Bulls back then. It was it was pre academy because uh, academy started at sixteen. But I joined the pre academy when I was it was an under fourteen age group. But I joined when I was twelve. So I, I went to a couple of their, I guess you can call it camps where it's like a once a week kind of thing. And I guess one of their keeper coaches there saw me and he's like, hey, like I know you're not old enough, but we'd like to get you in and start just having you train with you know because I was training with a. Uh, with a travel team with sporadic goalkeeping training at, at its best. Um, it's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Once every two weeks, they would bring a guy in. But uh, so I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be put in that environment when I was super young. And then luckily the, the keeper ahead of me went to residency. Um, so then I kind of was just forced to start playing. Um, so that that actually worked out really well, um, but just being in that environment from an early age, um, and then when I was uh, 15, I then got called to residency when it was my cycle in my year. Um, so I actually lived maybe 30 minutes away than where I do now, um, at, down in IMG Academy. Um, so I was there for two years, and we went to World Cup qualifying. Unfortunately, didn't qualify, um, but then I came back. Went back to Red Bulls for, for a season um, and, you know, winning the national championship in the academy, uh, which was a pretty cool moment. And then off to college at the University of Michigan for, for two years. Um, and then kind of a couple months into my, my sophomore year, we started having the discussions between, you know, myself and a person that was representing me that wasn't technically my agent. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. well done, well done, Em. Well you gotta done. love, you gotta love, you gotta love that right there. <laughs> Way to cover that one. <laughs> so um, yeah, we we kind of had some dialogue back and forth with uh, Ali Curtis, who was the GM at Red Bull at the time, who's now the GM at uh, Toronto. Um, and yeah, we decided that after my junior season, that you know it'd be the the time for me to leave school, and you know I signed a homegrown deal and. You know, fortunately, Red Bulls, as, as everybody knows, is, is really good with their USL program and they take it super serious. Um, so I was kind of thrown into the fire with that, too. And, you know, a couple of weeks in, I was playing, you know, making my debut in the USL. So I think one of the things that they did really well was was kind of allowing me to, to play games because at the end of the day, that's the only way that you're going to learn. Um, oh, oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Then uh, after last season, um, you know, made the choice to come down here to Tampa Bay and it's been a weird, weird eight, nine months for everybody, as you could say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't regret it. It's, it's been a blast down here. Well, I mean, yeah, now you play with, I think quite possibly one of the oldest soccer teams in United States history. Wow. Tampa Bay. Oh, the yeah. Rowdies? Yeah. Absolutely. You're talking about playing against the Cosmos, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I, trust me, I see all <laughs> like, on the wall, and I'm like, where, where is that? <laughs> where is that? <laughs> exactly. That's how old I am, everybody. 
Yeah, you're t- that's, that's, you know, talk about some history right there. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I mean that that is that is actually one of the craziest things. I didn't even think about the fact is that the Rowdies organization has been through so many different incarnations, and and they be kind of part of that 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 lore, that history. I, I'm sure the funniest thing is like, oh, hold on a second, before we get into that, we have a oh, big the, the czar's yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. No, the, but seriously, think about it. You remember those old Rowdies uniforms with the stripes on them, with the, the green, all the craziness. I mean, I've grown. I grew up with. I grew up with the rowdies. Forget it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So my like family. I said Cosmos time. Yeah. So my family. <laughs> I have no idea about soccer. They know who the rowdies are. So. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they played in Giant Stadium on like turf that was laid on cement. Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Against Pele. Yep. <laughs> so. That is, that, wow. My gosh. I mean, think thinking about that turf right mm-hmm. there. By the way, right now we have the most the, the most plain, ordinary Omar Zini background we've ever had before. So I don't even I don't I even know, know how we can. I know that's sarcastic. I'm sorry, guys. I I'm late today. I had to do a, a, a headshot for this thing, and then my oh, here the first we go. The house stole a headshot. It does not know how to use a camera, so every time it takes a picture, it's all. Uh, honestly, it's been it's been a rough 20 minutes. Anyways, Evan, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. Where sorry. are you? I'm in my house. No, I can't see you. I know, I know. I have to I turn it off. I need to eat my lunch. It's been a long day. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's like, rough. the voice from above. Oh, my God. This, this episode is such a disaster. This is absolutely hilarious. I feel like we're not, we're not going to edit any of this out right now. All right, well, let's just get, kind of get into today's topic, guys. Today's topic is going to be the recovery step. Um, one of the reasons kind of why we wanted to do that, this Evan is uh, because uh, you're really good at it. You're really good at tracking the ball, keeping your head on that ball, keeping your eyes on that ball, and then being able to make that right recovery step to cover your space afterwards. So kind of like maybe for some of the parents out there who are listening, who might not be familiar with what we mean by recovery step, what is it kind of in your own words? So, so to me, the way I look at a recovery step is, is especially as a keeper, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things change very quickly um, in terms of, you know, when there's an initial shot getting, you know, there's a rebound, it's, it's out five, 10 yards out, outside of the goal. Um, there's a lot of information that you, that you need to take in. Um, and at least for me, I'm a, I like to look at myself as a percentages guy. Um, so when I'm looking at where I want to make my recovery step, I'm looking at other things on the field. Where is my right center back? Where is the, the guy who's, making a play on the ball, what direction is his, are his hips pointing, stuff like that. So I think I, I don't want to sit here and say that there's like a specific way to do it, but I think you need to, you know, play the percentages. And at the end of the day, I think, I think goalkeeping is, is a lot of percentages. So, you know, taking all that information in, but just being able to kind of recover and give yourself the best chance to save the second shot as, as much as possible, if that makes sense. No, I mean, it makes com- complete sense, you know, and, and Saskia, I think, you know, one of the things that we've always spoken about, you know, and, and Omar, who's the, the, the voice from above, if you want to chime in as well too, feel free while you're eating your lunch, is that, you know, there is no, there is no one way to do it, you know, it's about finding what works for your body and how your shape goes and, you know, and, and what shape you ended up with in the first place, you know, on the rebound, because that's going to kind of determine your recovery too, right? Well, it's also incredibly situational as far as pressure on the ball goes um, and everything. There's not just one way to handle handle it. We just we keep coming back to that. It's just like a constant theme 
here, you know, the days of, um, you know, my way or the highway are over. And so, um, especially with a recovery step, it, it depends on the keeper, their abilities. It depends on the pressure on the ball, where the ball is, everything. There's so many situations in it, um, it you know, that it, you can't just teach it one way. No, if this happens is what you do. That's totally different. Yeah. No, I, I think you, you brought up a good point in regards to the situational thing, because I think that that's one of the issues I think that happens a lot of times when it comes to youth coaching is a lot of, we've talked about it before on the show, you know, Evan, is that is a lot of it is conceptual and they're just putting the kids through the same scenario over and over again. And then they, they get in the game and obviously yourself as a seasoned pro, you know, you can attest for this. Each situation is completely different. So if you just train one scenario, you're going to get lost in that game. Right. Yeah, yeah. At least for me, like, especially seeing younger keepers and it with, you know, just helping out in trainings and just and just watching games. Um, even, even you know, this, this applies to some keepers, especially in my league. Um, I, I always see that there's a tendency to teach, okay, there's one shot, you've deflected it or it's been blocked or whatever. Get back in the middle, set perfectly, and, you know, you'll be able to react. To me, I just think that's not very practical. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I like like we all said, it's it's all situational. There's times where you need to be aggressive and something, you know, that that's more of where I kind of that's my realm is I'd rather be aggressive and get beat trying to block something with my face than than <laughs> That's that that's that jersey in you right there, dude. That's right. That's <laughs> right in the right in the kisser. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's like definitely situations where, you know, you need to be aggressive and you need to just make yourself as big as possible and, and yeah. play those changes. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, there's also times where, you know, you can kind of take a second, back up, make sure your angles are good. And then especially depending on, you know, the depth of the shot and how far away they are, at least for me, if they're if they're close enough, I'm like, all right, if it's on the ground, I'm saving my feet. I'm not yeah. going to get down my hands otherwise if i'm down there with my hands i'm not gonna get anything anything hit high so especially with if it's a super pro shot so oh, that's a whole other conversation yeah it's also, it's also <laughs> no and i agree with you because there are times that even in practice and i'm like you know that that initial saves made the rebound pops out and that you see that instinct in the in the young keeper to just you know okay I'm gonna re you know I'm gonna do my recovery step I'm gonna get back and I'm like why didn't you just go for the ball yeah. like this the right thing to do in my opinion what I would have done in that situation is rebound go you know instead what you've done is you've taken that pause you've done your recovery step now you've allowed the attacker to get that space on you and now you have to make the save as opposed to track that ball go down for it and so that's why I say it's situational. Um, totally situational. Yeah, I also yeah. I hear a lot of coaches say like, you know, if you make a save and, and and you go too close, you're cutting down your reaction time. But to me, that that's not you're not looking to save something like reacting. You're looking to kind of make the shot go where you want it to go. So if I'm stepping out and I'm leaning this way, like I want them to shoot this way so I can you know maybe get my shoulder on or, or something. You want to like get that. hit by the ball. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, the job is to let the ball hit you. 
Right, but but what you just said is poignant because at the same point, if you close that space and they and you force them to shoot the ball wide, in my opinion, that's a save, everybody. I yeah. tell my keepers in practice, that's a save. The pressure yeah. you just put on that ball, force that force that hurried up shot, that shot went wide of the goal, that's a save, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that, that's a really good point. And I, I want to show something right now because, you know, one of the things that, that we are talking about is situational. Evan, I love the fact that you brought up the feet thing. It's almost like you were thinking ahead in regards to and had a, a psychic uh, connection with where I'm going right now because I want to show this save that you made for Red Bull against St. Louis in the 61st minute. Uh, I think it was last season. I think it was uh, on the Blackwood block. Um, so I'm going to share the screen real quick uh, on on this guy right here. So so everyone can uh, can see kind of what I'm talking about. So first off, kind of walk us through this right now. We'll, let's just watch it first in real time, just so, so that everybody can kind of kind of. Oh, I'm gonna turn off that that volume right there. So here's the play block, ball played, shot. But see how your recovery's there, big, and then the great save right there on the feet right there. I, I absolutely love that. And like you were just saying about just getting just getting some body some body behind that, but all that all happened because of the way that your shape was when you tracked it, you know, it was high enough that you stayed on your feet. You didn't, you didn't like go all the way. Yeah. But he also didn't, he also didn't stay when he gets up, he comes, he gets up, he stays big and everything like that. He didn't retract. He didn't try to reposition. He's just like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to be big. Yeah. So I just want to clarify something because this irritates me every time I see this video. Okay. (laughs) So the initial shot, I swear I'm not this bad. Well, the initial shot is deflected. So the initial okay. shot is going low. So that's why I started like going low, like right when, uh, right there. Okay, yeah. He hit it low and it went off my center back and went high. So I like had to kind of flap. I don't want to look like I'm flapping like that on, on the reg. Um, oh, gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, so oh, like, and that was the adjust. That was the adjustment. That's why you stuck the paw up that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, I just look like I'm flailing everywhere. No, um, I didn't see it that way. Um, so, yeah, then, uh, you know, I, I, as I, I kind of landed, one of the things I was always taught was to always be looking around and kind of know what's around me when, when the ball's not, I guess, a threat. So when the ball's kind of rolling, I, I'm, I dive, I'm diving and I see the guy out wide and I'm like, all right, I see my center back and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go flying. So I'm letting him cut down the angle. And at that point, I'm like, like I said before, this is close enough where if it's low, I'm saving it with my feet. And if it's high, I'm going to save it with my hands. Because if I go too low and he rips it and the you know, top near post, there's no way I'm going to get up fast. Okay. fast. By the way, and I love I think, this, re- I, this recovery right I, here too. Look at that. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. But I yeah. think Look. that I think that I, I have this conversation with my keepers um, at UCLA a lot and stuff um, to get that bad habit. Get me started. I'm like, look, I have no problem with you saving the ball for with your feet yeah. if the situation is there for it, if they're within 10 yards, if it's a bullet, if you've gotten yourself in position, that's the quickest thing to, to the ball. That's fine with me. That's yeah. fine. From 15 yards out, yeah. Yeah, that like just that's means that just means you're setting on your ass. That yeah. just means you're on your heels, you're being lazy, and now you're giving up a rebound. So from 15 yards out, you better have your weight forward. You better be able to get your hands down to the ball. I don't care how hard the ball is shot. But yeah. from inside 10 yards, absolutely, save the ball. With, yeah, I don't yeah. care if it's with your elbow, save the ball. You know, yeah. And there's a big difference, and I think young keepers have to realize that. They see, oh, you save the ball with your feet, but they're not identifying the distance, 
the speed, the situation. They right. just say, oh, he kicked it. Yeah, but that you just kicked the ball that got shot at you from 20 yards away. Yeah. Yeah, right. no, I 100% agree. 100%. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like. No, no, no. I thought it was great. And I think it's yeah. a perfect example of when to save the ball with your feet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I want. I want to say this, Evan. By the way, I will say this though, and and I know that you're your harsh, harshest critic because we're all our harshest critics. Um, so you know, I appreciate the fact that you're you're willing to go I'm that Omar's direction. Omar's harshest critic. With, critic. Well, well yeah, everybody's Omar's harshest critic right now. I just now, want to know what he's eating, eating a sandwich. I, I kind of want to know too. <laughs> uh, no, just 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 regular food. But I think uh, one one thing I liked about that though, and I think that's like the biggest thing that we always or at least for me what i try to tell the keepers and i think what evan did really well there is that he squared himself back up and he got his feet into a square position and i'm yeah. looking right now for a peter schmeichel uh, video that i posted a few days ago but um you see he made it safe centrally he got back up and then he literally squared his feet up quickly and then from there was shoulder width towards the ball and then from there at least now we can attack those lateral lines and i think if you if you watch yeah. how like it was such a scattered play it was so quick but it was just that ability to get to your position probably wasn't the right angle just because you're you're on the recovery but at the very least you got yourself square to the ball and you got your feet in in order and then from there now you can be athletic i think yeah. that was uh, that's totally a big agree. piece about recovery totally yeah. agree with you yeah um thanks uh, you're welcome evan, <laughs> evan, evan i want to ask you this because uh you know one of the biggest mistakes that i think a lot of young goalkeepers do and i think a lot of young goalkeeper coaches do this as well too is they try to train kids to step a certain way like, oh, you're always supposed to step here, always supposed to step here. But again, like you're saying, it's situational. So in your opinion, like, where should your recovery step go? Should you use momentum? I noticed that you said you have a checklist of you, you want to scan and make sure that uh, the ball's out of danger or if the ball's in danger, it's going to determine how you recover. Yeah, yeah. So some of the things I look at, you know, like I said, is as if it's a, you know, a shot where I made a save and it's, you know, deflected out and it's like a situation like we just watched. Yeah, I, I, my, initially, I'm, I'm naturally more of an aggressive keeper where I like to go. So I'm, my initial step is always going to be forward. And then I'd rather deal with something closer than, than farther, you know, if, if that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, when I'm taking that initial step, like in the clip that we just saw, for instance, I, I know I didn't do it there, but I what I like to do is especially if the ball's not on somebody's feet or not, you know, an imminent threat. I like to, if it's that wide, I like to look across the goal to see if like, okay, this guy's making a run in the box. Like, is he going to fizz it across? Can I get the cross or can I, you know, kind of read the, the, uh, the player on the outside? Is he going to cross it? And if he is, I'm maybe I'm taking a, I'm taking an, a, a little shuffle to the left so that when he does, you know, make the impact of the ball to cross it, I can get there and make my, and you know, fling myself open and make myself as big as possible. You, you brought up such a really good point right there, which, uh, which I want a lot of young keepers to hear about this. And I know Saskia always talks about this in regards to understanding where the dangers are and understanding your scenarios. You know, you need to know the scenarios that could happen based on the situation, based on this final action that just took place. You know, and if you don't, if you're always just looking just straight, straight ahead at the play right here, and you don't realize that back post player right there while well, you're running out at this ball, this ball slotted across and now, yeah. now you got no chance. You know? Yeah, but you, you, you need to, I, I tell my players, you need to identify that early because I find that, I find that sometimes players get caught up when you, when 
that my literal players, when you tell them to make sure you organize the back post and the back run and the weak side, then they're doing that when it's time to pay attention to the shot, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I got to keep her over here pointing, even though she's looking or he's looking and thinking. And I'm like, okay, you've already said it four times. Like now it's their job. Yeah. You know, if, if yeah. that ball gets slotted and your defender's not weak side, let me, I'll go deal with your defender. Yeah. You know, but there's a time and a place for check, that's it, make the statement, and now focus on the shot. Because you're talking about like an imminent threat. You're talking about stuff that's in the box, stuff that's turning over quickly. So your decisions have to be fast, they have to be verbal, and then you have to do your job. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that 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 is that is actually something that's actually really important, and and I know that you know you speak about that Saskia all the time is that make sure that you're doing that job prior so that you're not trying to do all of this all at one time if you're you have no inclination. It. You're not trying to fix in it in the middle the of the, in the middle of the moment. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this with you, Evan, is because, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think that happens, and, I, and you, you actually show a lot of great examples of this, is that a lot of people think that a recovery step always means a positive step. It's always a positive step forward. But again, it's kind of situational. So I kind of, I want to bring up this clip right now of you. So to show a situation. A recovery step was forward. Well, here, but look at this. But so let's, let's see. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so so we're gonna we're gonna pull this one up right here, and if you can kind of walk this through, this is this is this season uh, for you, and it was it was a, a ball up on top yep. here, boom, step. But now you've recognized the ball's been played out of the eighteen, so your recovery is drop negative yeah. to get to get a little bit more depth. You know, yeah, and but I, you I don't also think want, but that. you also want to change the thought process of the attacker. If you take that, if in this time frame, if you if you recover like he did, so you take your recovery step back, you're shutting off that. You know, is that is that through is that through ball instead of sending that through ball, are you going to chip me? Um, because I didn't do anything, I stayed in no man's land. But here you see me backing up, so now you're not going to chip me. So you're forcing that through ball, which at the same time you're like, come on, put that through ball in here because that's mine. You know love what I mean? Fa- like, love that, fa- love that yeah, face right there. Yeah, you're you're manipulating a situation. All right, yeah, you see me backing up. No, you're not going to chip me. Oh, but what are you going to do? You're going to throw. Yeah, I, I think I think it's important to, as much as I like said, like, you know, we're we're always constantly looking around and, and trying to assess, you know, dangers and stuff like that. Is is dealing with one thing at a time. Uh, so initially, when the ball goes to the to the forward that ends up passing it. I want to put myself in a spot where if he shoots, I can save it comfortably. And then as soon as he decides to, you know, bop it over the top, which, I mean, you can kind of tell it was coming. Right. I want to be in a position on the front foot where I can get out quick. To be, to be honest, I think this is a little this, – this specific play was a little risky because he's a, if he's a little more clever and he just thinks it. Yeah. <laughs> a different conversation. But I, as you can see, I, I stepped and – and I stopped. I could have went flying, and I think that would have made it almost easier for him. So when but, I, but again, you're also forcing him to do, make that decision on the fly faster than he would have wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. As 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 much, especially for a keeper, as as much as when you can make it on your terms, I think that puts the percentages in your favor, even if it's Absolutely. a little bit, even if you can make it somewhat predictable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like what you said there in regards to, you know, when you're coming out, if he was a little bit more deaf. But 
But like Saskia says, if you're manipulating it, if you're forcing him, if you're disallowing him the time to be able to make those decisions. To make that choice. Yes. That now you're forcing him to make a decision quickly. Because and you've that's got defenders recovering. You've got the ball bouncing in. If you hold there, if you, if you keep your depth, you're giving him that extra second to maybe look, really look up and say, oh, I got the whole hole to shoot at. Right. Or, oh, let me place it here. But because you put that, like, kind of that – pressure it's the same thing as michelle said when we had her on it's the minute somebody forces me to make a quick decision and takes me out of the decision i wanted to make that's when like she would screw up in a sense not saying michelle Akers ever screwed up but just saying she admitted that she's like now uh you know what i mean now what am i gonna do yeah and that's that's what that did I want to. I want to hear what God. God. God is. I don't us know. From, from I mean, I guess, I guess his back screen is like a cloud or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I, I. I think the first time I ever was introduced to some form of the block save was with recovery movements like this. I went to Mexico when I was 15, and I remember we had in one of our progressions. It was the, it was a low shot. And if you ever watch any like Latin American stuff, they, they try to hold things, but they never do. They like catch it and they throw it back like before they even catch it. It's a weird thing. I don't know. They just like, they don't want to stick the ball real quick. They just move on to the next one. So they, we had a shot where it was a low ball. And then after we, yeah, after we, uh, after we made the save, we had to uh, pop right back up and they had a, a guy probably at the angle three, four yards away. And all you'd have to do is make the save, throw it back to the, the server and sprint out and just make yourself as big as possible. And then you call it the Jesus Cristo, like literally just get on your knees and like spread yourself. And yeah. I remember it was like such a, it was such a. Like, the Jesus I, I cross? No, like they called the Jesus Cristo. Like that's what they call it. Like the, like the spread, like you spread is yourself. It, wait, is this when you, when, when, you, when you came back from Mexico and then you started doing this for the LA Galaxy and like. No, no, no. Was, like, trying to catch... <laughs> you know what? No, I think that's Jesus probably what Cristo. it was. Though. I think he found out that I went to Mexico and then he was like, look, we're not having any of that. But no, it was it was such a uh, it was such a culture shock to me because I was like, one, I've never been taught this before. Uh, two, I've always been taught to just stay on my feet and either make a kick save or stay big or stay square and, and give myself the best chance. But then this was introduced, and it obviously, yeah, it made some sense to the sense of like if you do make a save and you have to get back up, the only way you can do the block save is to get squared up again. So I started realizing, well, if I can get square and then make a save if I need to, or if I can get square and then approach the guy who takes a big touch or puts his head down and makes the block save. Whatever. So it's just like, like you said, what, what, play what you see. But as coaches, too, we have to introduce all these different, um, I guess, scenarios so that if our goalkeepers are in those positions, they can like, oh, took a big touch, head is down. I've been taught this before. Well, if it's not that big of a touch, maybe I stay on my line. Big touch, maybe I come and smother. Big touch, but he got there before I got there. Maybe I come out quick and then I break into a block save. But all these different scenarios, and that's where it's like – in, in the college scene, you can't do it as much, but in like, you know, when you get kids in the summer and you have them three, four times a week, you can really start implementing all those different scenarios within Actually, a 1v1 or within a play. I was just working on that this week. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, I in really season, was. In season, in season, in season. Oh, it's in like season, hard in season because yeah. like we have so many games back to back. And no, you're right. You're the, starters, right. the starters go into, you know, yeah. So in off season, yeah, there's a lot more time. No, and I agree with you. And, and, and the best thing is to have, once you start getting goalkeepers that are recognizing Oh, should I've done the case like case whatever the hell you want to call? It. Should I've done the case save there? Should, <laughs> should I've done this? And my like uh, like this is time for analysis because there, I believe that we talk about like gray areas and stuff. But in my opinion, there are times that this is right and wrong. Like no, you it, you in your mind were going out to do just make yourself big and do a block when in reality, that was more your ball than their ball. 
And had you gone down, hands to the ball first, the ball would be in your hands right now. But instead, you come up, you slow yourself down, you're like, I'm going to do a case saver, I'm going to do a block. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go on that one? And then there are other times yeah. I'm like, where are you running to? Like, you know, like, so I think that to teach every aspect and to try, kind of put that in your toolbox is great, but it's got to, you got to see it and see it and see it because yeah. every situation is different. Well, yeah. think about yep. it too. Think about it from like a coach's per or for, from a kid's perspective, right? If you're, if you're spoon feeding them the exact same, uh, like stale technique, which is that block right. save over and over and over. And they're only seeing that same picture. Who's at fault if that's all they do. You know what I mean? Who's at fault if they continue to default in a game? Is Absolutely. it them? Or is it us as coaches? It's, it's most likely us because we're only showing them one picture and that's all they know. So when you, I, I mean, I, I remember I took some math tests and I knew one equation from like week <laughs> one and I was on like, I was on like week eight and I didn't study for a test. I'm like, you know what? This is the same plug setup. That let, me, let, me, <laughs> let me plug that equation and see if I can do it. And yeah, then I was like, yeah, there's no, of course, I, my teacher one time asked me, hey, did you take this test in 10? Because the Scantron did not pick up many of your answers or you just didn't know anything. And I was like, no, I took it in pencil and I did not know anything and I will take my F and I will, I will walk away. <laughs> but in that scenario, it's like a very similar thing where if we only show them one thing, or only show them one way of recovery, or we talk about even in training sometimes, right? So I ask them, like, it's, it's that recovery ball of, if you're in a one-on-one -on -one session as a coach, do you, do they make a save and that ball trickles away and they're done? They, they don't get up right. and, and, you know, work on the recovery finish, movement. It's like, no, you have to finish the save. And again, it's just those little habits and triggers that we set up in training sessions that allow our goalkeepers to do it automatically. And once you do it automatically, then from there, they've either messed up in training and they know what to do in the game or they've done it right in training and now they know what to do in the game. Right. And I, and I, you know, I hate that when, you know, you see goalkeepers in training and wherever they've come from and they're like, you know, they'll give up a rebound. They're like, oh man, you know, I should have hold, held on to the ball. I'm like, well, the ball's still right there. You know what I mean? Like it's still right there. So add in like, you know, your other goalkeepers, any rebounds live, finish it, blow them into the back of the net. And then it becomes second nature. And then that forces those decisions. Well, how far away was the rest of the rebound? What do I do on, on it and stuff? And that's like, training within training yeah 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 i i, I want to bring this up right now and evan feel free to chime in anytime because otherwise Saskia and omar will we'll, we'll, we'll continue talking i'm sorry evan. no it's all good i feel like it was like watching like first take with omar and saskia so it was like uh <laughs> it was uh it, it was solid right there but it was a little bit more educational than first take that would just be two people yelling Thanks. at each other um it'd be like a lot like the debates or did i just do that <laughs> It's a good thing we're not live. Um, anyway, uh, I want to bring this up right here because this is a perfect example of recovery on that second ball and you're, how you're recovered step after the smother right here, Evan. So, boom, as you get down first off hands first, you, you got some contact with that ball. Look at your checklist. You see where that player is right there. You recognize he's still a danger. So you get right back up and you go pounce on that ball right there. Um, kind of walk us through kind of the thinking right here. Yeah, so if I remember right, I think this was one of it was our attacking corner and it got cleared and it was uh, kind of just a, you know, just a classic counter. Um, and I'm, I'm telling my center back, just force them one way, either way. Honestly, I don't have a preference in this situation. This is this is exact. I, he did exactly what I wanted him to do. And then once, uh, you know, number 16, Derek Costas takes a touch, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm set and I see him take another touch and the ball's not you know, super close to his foot so I can take another yard. And then as he takes another touch, I can take another yard. And then he goes to take the big touch because my center back closed his face. And as soon as he takes the big touch, I kind of see a little window where I can 
either get my hands to the ball or like we both and what ended up happening is I think he went to shoot it and my hands hit the ball at the same time so like we kind of just both canceled each other out um and then yeah like like we said it, it popped out and I looked at the player and I didn't know where the ball was at first so I was like okay look at the guy where's he looking does he have the ball all this stuff and then I, I turned around and it was right there and I, then it was just like a mad mad race to the ball um, you you identify it right there, boom! Like you're okay. Yeah. There it is, and then yeah, yeah. And that, that's when you pounce second, right on it. I was, I was I was nervous for a split second. I was nervous. <laughs> I didn't know if it went over. I didn't know. Anything. Um, but yeah, and then just like we said, it's it's the same thing in training. And the only way you're gonna learn this is if you make it as live as possible. Like uh, at least for us, like if you give up a rebound, it's getting buried, buried. There's no oh sorry I didn't catch it. There's no oh, let me, let me shoot the rebound at your hand so you can catch it. Like, it's like if you give up a rebound in the game, they're not going to shoot it. And so we try to make it as live as possible. I think, a, I think a great thing that you brought up that we don't talk about is when you move, right? So we don't talk about that so much. You're just like, oh, recovery step or something like that. The bottom line is when. When do you move, right? So it's absolutely 100% right. He took a touch. When the ball isn't in his bubble and in, in in no danger in a sense, in that it's that fast, I'm gonna take a yard, right? He takes another touch, I'm gonna take a yard. He takes a long touch, now I know that I can take two yards and get my hands down and now I can smother it. And it's you know, I find that in training a lot is that goalkeep like a lot of young goalkeepers there in like shell shock, like here comes the through ball or here comes a long dribble, and I'm gonna wait until the ball is back on the player's foot now i'm gonna move <laughs> right yeah. when do you move you move when the ball is in between you move when the through ball is going and nobody can touch it you move when they take a long touch and they have to catch up to it because there's no danger there and that's when you steal your yards and i think that's something that we don't talk about that much here and i think that was awesome that you explained it that way because i know that i'm constantly trying to explain that you know and i watch even at the highest level here comes that through ball or here comes, you know, that pass. And you waited, that pass went 25 yards and you waited and you didn't move a yard. Right. And now it's on their foot. And now you're going to make up for the fact that, Oh, they have the ball. And now they're coming at me. So I'm going to come at them. I'm like, what happened to traveling during that 25 yards, figuring it out then, you know? So I thought that was, I, Totally Omar's got something he wants to share right now, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him share this. I guess I guess we'll let him share this. Let's see let's see what. No, just, here. this is like exactly the drill that I was supposed to be working on. This is uh, Peter Schmeichel. Hold on, let me just make it bigger. Oh oh god, this is this is the quality of like Saskia's type videos. So like so, or is there a, a Saskia clip coming up too? So no, mine is on eight right millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this. That's pretty much what we're working on is like getting, you know, let me see if I can slow well, it down. Michael and I are like the same age, so. Ay, ay, ay. I pressed the wrong yeah, button. What, what, Sorry, quality, what quality is this, dude? This it's like not HD. This is it. not yeah, HD, on. that is for sure. So you can see as he makes a save, he gets up, at least gets square. But then, I mean, in today's game, would coaches be okay with that? I don't know. But again, it's Peter Schmeichel. He has an advantage of being, I mean, he wore like a quadruple XL jersey, so I think he has way big, big of a frame than I do. So once he's able to get back up here, at the very least he gets square, but then this is when I was taught that block save for the first time. Just come and get as big as you possibly can when that shot is being hit from like five, six yards away. And like you said earlier, just like some people run away from the ball. Like I think right now, look, 
Well, Addy, what if he had stopped? So let's exactly, put it that exactly. Way. What if he like like Evan said what earlier? If he just what if said, he stayed deaf? Yeah, what if he's he had in, no yeah. in no man's land. Hundred percent. But also on the other hand, what if this guy scores this rebound or he chips it over his head or he takes a touchdown the line and slots it in because he just came out so you know uh, heavy footed or he yeah, came out so but quick. I think that there's I, always a what if. There's always a what if, but I think had he the worst what if is no man's land. So had he just gotten yeah. up, I mean again. Triple XL jersey. It's Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> Probably not that easy to chip him. But if you're going, if he, if this is what he committed to, granted, I think you can change your mind. Like, but commit to it. Don't just yep. get up and be like, oh, should I have backtracked or should I have gone forward? Now you're in the middle of nowhere. You, well, that, that that's the one thing, Evan. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you can see as soon as he deflects the initial shot, he he's knows up. what he's gonna do. I think the worst thing you could do is make a decision late. I think Absolutely. whether he gets up and you know does what he does or he gets up and even if he takes a step back to kind of give himself an angle, whatever it is, I think if you make the decision early, it's better than, like like you said, being in no man's land. Like that's Just no way. decision. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what should I do? I, I had a kid. I had the kid this weekend, and, I, and uh, he asked me. I said, I, like we just said, I said, if you make a decision, you got to stick to it. And he was like, but coach, what if I'm always making the wrong decision? That's on you, Omar. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, just, if your parents ask, you tell them I've been telling you what to do right. And you, know, it's just... and you, keep, it do you keep doing it wrong. <laughs> you keep doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. Evan, I, I got a question Omar, oh, what if I keep making the wrong decision? <laughs> I have a question like, for you look, because you know one of the thing thing about you is that you are definitely very committed. When you make a decision, you you come out like yeah. I, I've I've been I've seen some of your plays and you're just like barreling through, but not under not crazy wild. Like you're still under control type of a thing. Um, I think the thing is though is that you need to understand your what your strengths are. You know, for you, you're very you're very quick being able to come off that first step and recover and 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 gain ground. You know. Maybe some guy who's six six. Maybe it takes him a, a second to get up. Maybe he's better holding because he has that range. So don't you kind of have to understand your profile? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's and it's it's understanding what kind of goalkeeper you are, and then also the environment you're in. Because like for instance, when I was at Red Bull, it's a very unique like style of play. It's very aggressive. It's you know very high lines. So if I don't make that initial decision and I'm not aggressive with it, I will be late hundred percent of the time. So it's, it's understanding, you know, the, the way your team plays. And, and also, like you said, if, if you're a bigger guy, you're going to be able to do things that I'm not going to be able to do. So you need to kind of, kind of round that out. And, and like I said in the before, make it on as much as you're on your terms as possible. If you're a ginormous lanky dude, then just get yourself in a, in, a, in a set position in a good angle, and you'll save everything more often than not. Yeah. Me, I'm kind of in the middle of height. I'm 6'2". So, you know, there's definitely keepers bigger than me. That's like a giant for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Omar, and I look up to Omar, so, you know. <laughs> but for me, sometimes I need to kind of force it to be on my terms, and I need to get a little closer, and I need to be more aggressive. And – while doing that, you know, taking in the information around and, and adjusting as I go. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think what we see to answer your question as well, Mike, I think what we see sometimes with younger kids and stuff is they make that decision. Let's say they make the decision. They think it's going to be a 50, 50 ball. Um, and they come right. So they're coming to smother. They're coming, you know, 
there is a moment that you can realize in that that yeah. you you're not going to beat the person to the ball mm -hmm. and you do have time to maybe slow it down gather yourself and now stand them up or do what you need to do but what i think we see a lot of mistakes is and and in a short in a short rebound like that that's not the same situation that's not the same scenario that's not what i'm talking about that is make yeah. a decision stick with it this is a two yard rebound you just have to deal with it but i think that there is a time that you can say i'm coming and then oh god i, I just just totally you know read this wrong and you could slow yourself up and now make another decision but i think a lot of fault that we see is kids like young kids keepers don't identify that don't identify when they can actually make a change in that flow and um and they just keep running they just keep <laughs> they just keep with their first and then they just get like pass around and dribble around or whatever and you're like you know there was a good amount of yardage here that you could realize if you're paying attention that you're getting beat to the ball. Slow it down, stand them up. Yeah. Change your like, change your decision. Like this example right here, uh, against Atlanta against Atlanta United with it with with Evan, where basically so you're coming out and you recognize that you can't can't gain any more ground. And you just and you just yeah. decide to hold right here. Boom. You're like, all right, I'm gonna hold. I get big. Yeah, you through. have to realize that. Great tracking, and now you've realized there's empty space right there. I can come back on that ball right there. And, and I can make a play on the ball right there uh, and, and, pl and play it out of danger. Yeah, yeah. So this, yeah, this specific play, it, it goes back to kind of looking around and, and taking in that information. So like here at the Rowdies, we play a five back system. So there's three center backs. So the defender and the player right on the PK spot, that's my left sided center back. So as the ball's coming, at, we play with very high wingers. So as the ball's coming, I see the guy who ends up collecting the ball and I see there's no one around him. And I see, all, and I see our whole team is on the, the side of the field where the ball just came from. So you ha you're the defender. Yeah, you exactly. You have to. Um, he's got a free, free reign. And it was a little rainy that day, so I, I, I was pretty confident he was going to take a touch. And at that point, if, I think if he takes a touch and I kind of just set right there. I but give you're a already moving. That's my point. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if, if I just stop right there or don't move and take that initial step, I think I give them so much of the goal. Mm -hmm. So I like in, in my opinion, I just wanted to get out and be as big as possible. And also seeing the defender coming behind him. Getting your back. Yeah, putting them well behind me and the defender putting a little bit of pressure on him. Yeah. I know he's not just gonna be able to, you know, tee it up and just, you know, whip one top corner. But yeah, like, you know, our our center back went into the goal and I, he knew I covered the left side in that kind of scenario, the middle left side, and anything that was cut back to the back, back right post, he was, he was going to deal with. No, I had that conversation the other day to one of my keepers, and I just said, she's like, well, should I punch them in so they can come? I'm like, you're the cover. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, in this scenario, how deep they are, where the ball is, you're the cover. There is, you're not sliding somebody over because that means you're keeping everybody too deep. Guess what? Yeah. You're the last defender. Like yeah. you're the one that's gonna go out. Like it was like a light bulb. I'm like, you know. And and Omar, do you, do you notice here like how he's you're able to still ground Evan because that and Saki, you always talk about this. Like when the head goes down, that's when you still ground. And and then that's when you you were able to come across. And Omar, I know you're big on that fast approach and then that slow arrival. And I Me think too. this is a very good very good example of this right here. Still ground, then stop. 
Yeah, you know? explode and then slow it down. First three steps are the ground you want to cover and then slow it down and figure, you know, if you have to or, you know, go through it. Yeah. You know, Omar, you are on, on I think mute. Omar's talking to himself. Uh, you know you're on mute, right? <laughs> well, that's awkward. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I've been on like four Zoom calls today and that's not, okay, anyways. Uh, I'm so th- glad this episode's not live. Like, it's almost like God was, God was like speaking to us. It's like, you know what? Maybe not today. Maybe not today. It's the day to go live. No, I think um, I can, you can, for me at least, I equate our movement into any shot or any like angle shot like that is very similar to our prep touch, right? Our prep touch as when we get a pass back, our prep touch sets us up for multiple outcomes and multiple decisions based off. We can look up and scan the field. We can, you know, really improvise in that moment, depending on how good our prep touch is. Your movement to the angle, if it's way too fast, you only have one option. That's it. If you, if you go quick and you slow yourself down, now you have, okay, can I get set? Can I continue the movement? Oh, can I come out and actually get into a block set? So I feel like the slowing down aspect allows way more opportunity to make a variety of saves versus just you being stuck and going to the sprint mode. And I think that's what happened there with Evan. And you came out super hot just to close down the angle. But once you realize, okay, I could probably slow down here just in case I got to make a foot save. I got to dig my foot out or I got to drop my knee. I feel like that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, you know, one, th- one thing I want to bring up with you, Evan, and that I see a lot of times with youth keepers, and I'm sure both of you guys can attest to this is too, is that a lot of times they make their recovery too, too direct, too direct at the ball rather than recognizing where the dangerous space is. Is that something that you've noticed as well too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to just taking in the information like I, I, in that specific play that we just watched before he crossed it, I'm kind of looking across and I, 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 that's why you can see like, I'm already running because I know he's over there. You know what I mean? So, so it's taking in the information and, and, and if he's going to be able to take a touch, then, you know, making sure, because I, I also think one of the worst things is to not be balanced. If you're balanced, you, you give yourself so many options to do things. Um, so yeah, just taking in the information and just seeing what's in front of you and dealing with that specific situation, I think is the best thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael, to say, to add to what you said, like, what I wish I had like a chalk, like a little diagram. But what we see a lot of kids do. You can share your that, screen. You can do a little whiteboard on there and start doing yeah. some uh, telestrating. Dude, <laughs> like we know how long it took me to look on my microphone. All right, so so I think that what we see a lot of kids doing is they they don't respect their angles. And so if you get that ball that travels from one part of the 18 to the other part, they take a direct line kind of towards the ball. So they're like in the goal, they're taking a direct line, leaving the whole entire angle of the goal open. And that has to be kind of, you have to understand the arc of your your recovery, if that's what we're talking about. So there's a recovery involved in that, that you have to cut off the open angle and then come forward. You can't take a direct line to the ball that leaves that whole side of the goal open it has to be a bent run and then come forward and it's, we're not yeah. talking about something major we're talking about like a couple steps but you just you know when i find that a lot of kids just they follow that ball and then there's that big open i'm like just look at what you're leaving open yeah i, I yeah, think a I, lot of uh, go ahead and that, sorry no, I think, I think um, what something that Evan just said that was extremely important, I think a lot of uh, – I mean, I just got off a call today with, with Chris Sharp from the Rapids, and I was telling him about a specific play, and then he was telling me, you know, Omar, I want you to rewind the whole play, and I want you to think about what the goalkeeper was thinking when his team was in possession, and then they, you know, created a counterattacking opportunity. And I was like, ah, you're right, but I'm a coach, though, right? He's like, but you need to coach 
through the lens of what the player is seeing. So now that I'm rewatching this footage and then Evan just said, well, I had an idea that because we play a high line, my defender may not have gotten back. And if that ball is going to go past everybody, I know my run is already going to be, you know, curling to that far post. So now just hearing you verbalize that to me is like, damn, the reason you made this save is not just because, you, you know, you made a quick reaction save, but because you already knew where the play was going to happen. You kind of already envisioned it. So your footwork leading into that was already – you had, you had already diagrammed it out. You had, you had already drawn that path towards the ball. And I think, again, understanding what you saw and what you felt and what caused you to have that motion into that uh, the final action is huge. And I think, again, for me as a young coach, understanding that of the film review and saying, hey, Evan, tell me what you felt when this happened. And then gaining that perspective is so much more valuable than me telling a kid this is what I saw. Right. Um. I, I want to say this right now is uh, one of the problems that I see a lot of times with youth keepers and, and I'm sure you guys can all attest for this is that Evan, we've talked about this, right? You were just talking about like, if there's a, if there's a ball in your training sessions, it's buried that next ball, that, 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 that second ball is buried because that's what's going to really happen in the game. I can't tell you how many times I've seen in games in, in youth games as well, like actually actual games as well. Youth keeper makes the save. They go down, they make a nice parry, and then they sit there and admire the parry. Yeah. And literally, they admire the parry, and then once they decide to get up, then they get up. And then they start getting to the higher levels, and they start getting beat and beat and beat and beat. And then they're starting to wonder why, but they've never taken the time to actually develop those instincts to get up and recover and make that movement. Do you think a lot of that is just because they, they, they're so used to just being flat and not getting and not planting quickly and getting back up, or do you think it's more of a mental thing? I, I think it's more of a an environment thing. I think like at least for me, when I was super young, like I was fortunate enough to train with the the Red Bull first team when I was like fourteen, and and these guys aren't you know, they're this is their job. They're not looking to be nice to the young kids. So if the the young kid deflects something, they're gonna bury it. And that I think just being in that environment, knowing that that's what's gonna if I don't if I can't catch it and I can't deflect it out or deflect it far where no one's going to be able to get a, you know, a rebound, especially in close, then I need to know that I need to get up and get ready for the next one because then it's going to get buried and I'm going to hear about it for five minutes after it. So I think it, I think it, it's, so I guess you can say it's more mentality. I think it's just always looking for the next one. And luckily the higher level you go, you don't have to admire your safe because it's on TV you can rewind <laughs> so just make the save get up and then make the other save and then you can look at two saves on tv dude i, I love that that's a great incentive i'm just going to tell kids from now on i'm like look you keep working on this and one day you're just going to have these on tv and you can <laughs> you can show everybody wouldn't you rather do that than only get to show one save you know from your parents iphone like that's that's where you want to end up right that's a that, that's a good point um Hey, Omar, you give I, up a rebound and you think the play is over and it gets in the back of the net. That's your fault. Yeah. 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 You. No. No. Next, I, I, next, I, next thing, don't give up rebounds. Catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to admire yourself. Right. There you go. Um, I think I think one of the things, and, and Omar, I don't know if you've ever done a breakdown about this. I think one of the biggest problems is when kids get up, it's that back step. They get up and then they, they, they take a back step and then they try to move forward, but they've already planted all their way backwards. And by the time they've done that, the play's, the play's over, you know? Um, Omar, have you, have you ever kind of broken that down in regards to how that, that shift, that 
weight has to be forward, whether it's a, whether it's the, the whatever that thing's called the spin move or whether it's a, just a direct step, you know, however, however you want to, do, however you want to do it, you know, as long as it's that, as long as it's that forward momentum. Uh, no, I don't think I've done a breakdown of it, but I mean, I, I've done it where, you know, we've done a, uh, uh, you know, breakdowns in sessions or, you know, I have my iPad out there and I'll slow-mo, I'll slow-mo it and I'll ask them like, Hey, what happened here? And they'll say, yeah, no, I got up. And when I got up, I started moving backwards and I felt, I felt back. I had no momentum to attack any pot, you know, proper lines. And that is also a big discussion too, when it comes to that, that spin, uh, if it goes back the other way, the spin is great, but going back the same way you came, unless your momentum is taking you, then you got to do that. But I mean, if you want to do that, go on a slip and slide, you know, go have some fun doing that. But I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know if it's, uh, it's called for all the time. And I think too many people, in my opinion, where I grew up, train it for no reason at all. I remember one time my coach, my young, my young, my, when I was young, my goalkeeper coach literally came out with like a bucket of water that he filled up at the sink at the, uh, at the local park. And he was throwing it in different areas. And I'm like, Hey, like, what, what are we doing? He's like, Oh no, we're going to be working on some spin moves today. The grass is really dry. So I want you guys to really just make sure you guys get wet here and you guys can actually gain some traction. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, this is, I've never done this before. And, then I, and you know what happened? You know what happened? My first week at the galaxy when I was 15, I showed up with a big bucket of water. Stop, you're lying. <laughs> you really? You're hosting no, on no. the field? I can only train if the field's wet. <laughs> I actually, I actually, I actually have a, a training series that I do. Um, the kids hate that I do that handles like all different scenarios. Um, with um, transferring your weight so body weights forward. We call them up-downs. Um, they usually throw up. Um, I've oh, had God. it happen once or twice. Um, but sorry, moms and dads. But I'm no. glad I'm retired so I never have to be coached by Saskia because I, I feel like <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would have been – like David Goggins meets both people. It only happened once. Only happened once. But it trains all different scenarios that you end up in on um, after a save and the importance of immediately transferring your body weight forward. Yeah. I'll that, share it with you. No, I, I, I would love to see that. Evan, I saw your face. You were smiling a little bit when Omar was telling me spin stories. Basically. It sounds like you've got some spin move stories as, as well, uh, your, well yourself. I, I, I was just going to say, <laughs> I, uh, the, the keeper that I was with for most of my academy career, he's a, he's a Colombian keeper. Um, so it's very, you know, sidewinders and you know, <laughs> And I only learned how to do it if I dive to my left. I don't know why. I can't do it if I dive to my right to turn this way. I can only dive to my left and turn this way. <laughs> it's very weird. But, yeah, uh, you I was thinking about that the whole time. I, I just say, you know, I'm actually the same way. I can, only, uh, I can only do the spin move if I dive to my left. I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it to my right. Yeah. To my right. Well, I, at this point, if I dive, it takes me about five minutes to get back up. So, <laughs> so whatever move works. But, <laughs> like, I'm usually like, hey, Mike, can you help me up here? <laughs> here's another thing, Evan, and I, I want you to talk about this right now so that a lot of the young kids here at, at the pro level, why it's so important that they don't put their hands down when they take their recovery step, because it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm like, dude, why are you, why are you getting on all fours and putting your hands on the ground and then doing a push-up to get back up off the ground and it's taking five seconds? Saskia's looking at me. He's like, I don't know what kids you're training. But, uh, <laughs> exactly what I was going to say, but I can't say that because I do. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what, you know what I'm talking about, they, 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 the plant, the hand plant, right? Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you know, why don't you attest how that core strength is so important to get up quickly? Yeah, I mean, I – 
it's funny that we brought this up because even with the taking a step back, I, I had an issue with this like two years ago where I would, my first step would always be backwards. Um, but what the keeper coach at Red Bull, Preston Burpo, he really worked with me and, and the strength coaches. And it's all about, you know, being, being balanced and core stability. And, and, and I'm, I'm okay necessarily if you dive and you like use your left arm to get up. Like I'm not one of those where you need to like dive and then get up with no hands, like whatever gets you up quick. But I, for me, I just think the whole planting the hands thing isn't very efficient because especially both, like if you put one, okay, I can, I, I can live with that. But it, it, it's also, it's core strength, it's arm strength. It's just trying to get yourself up to be as balanced as, as quickly as possible. And that all goes down to strength and conditioning and, and just being able to, you know, your keeper coach address it when, when preferably when you're young and not when I was 22 when we were doing this. Um, so it was a lot harder to break, but yeah, it's, it's all kind of core strength and stability and just being able to put yourself in the best position to make that second save or whatever. Yeah. It is. I, w I was doing V sits yesterday in the gym. Well, well, gym by gym, I mean like, you know, my room, but uh, yeah. in the gym, in the gym. And uh, I, I was recognizing, I was like, Oh my gosh, like yeah, how much stronger my core used to be when I was doing this consistently over and over again and how important it is to do those types of activities. And, and Saskia, when you were talking about like those, uh, what are they called? The up-downs? Is that, is that yeah. what you're calling them? My up-downs. Um, yeah. yeah, your up-downs. That, that's so vital. They need to be able to have, they need to be able to have that strength. And, and the more you do that, it becomes that neuromuscular response becomes there because it's muscle memory. And now when they get up, it's so easy for them to do it. It's effortless. It's not a, it's not I mean, a chore anymore. Right. And there's certain things that are repetition. Like, and, and it sounds crazy for people, but you have to, it has to become second nature. Like you, you, you can't not train this, like, you know, whatever situation you end up, uh, you know, on your butt, you end up on your right side, you end up on your left side, you end up on your stomach, you end up whatever. How are you going to get up from this situation quickly, transfer your weight, always body weight forward, balls, your feet. How are you going to do that most efficiently as possible? And I could tell you, and we could do a couple drills or I can just like hammer in India. And like, I don't, you know, it, it's not something I punish the kids with or anything like that. Guys, I'm a really nice person, right? Mm -hmm. But it's something that these are like repetitive things that I, I put in the same category as core work, as handling the ball, you know, like when you say go, you know, go hit a hundred volleys off the wall. And like, you know, these are, these are repetitive things that have to become second nature so that it's like, oh, I'm in this situation. I'm up. I'm ready to go. My body weight's forward. No, I mean, that, that's a really good point. Omar, I want to ask you this because, you know, from a coaching standpoint, when you're working with all these, all these youth players right now, um, what are some of the coaching points that you need to look at when you're observing players getting beat consistently on recovery? You know, is it, is it, is it, is it the body weight issue? You know, as Evan was talking about the mentality, you know, what are the specific things that you would specifically tell coaches to look for? I think most of the time, it just needs to be like drilled in at a young age. I think that's, again, I'm like scarred since I was a kid. I had this coach one time. I had these weird coaches, but this coach literally was like, you know what, Omar, you're going to be a great coach. to have all your coaches on a show one day. <laughs> oh my God. It would be, it would be horrible. <laughs> that would be awful. But yeah, well, my coach literally was just like, Omar, you got, you're going to be great, man. But um, you just got to get rid of this belly fat. And he like literally put like two finger grab my fat. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what is, this is weird. Oh, then, welcome uh, to and, college as a woman. Yeah. Oh, is that, they do that? And, and then that became illegal. 
Oh, are you sweet, okay. Sasuke? Are you serious? Absolutely. Oh. Come in after after summer. Come into preseason. You know, and I. Do you want to see what I look like in college? And I was still getting pinched. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Nothing was good enough. Are you kidding me? Sorry, Charlie, but I'll never forget you pinching my sides, telling me I wasn't fit. That I guess was that's, the that was the old, that was the old BMI like index. You know that is usually you have little clampers. But anyways, he told me to back to the point. He told me that you know he's like as long as you have a strong core, you're going to be really, really uh, a really good goalkeeper because that's going to help you get up. And I think that ever since then, I, I mean, I didn't yeah. really work on my core like I should have, like in the gym, but I always like tried to figure out ways to enhance the way I got up using my core, not using my hand. So what I would just say is young kids understand the importance of your core strength at a young age and goalkeeper coaches try and figure out ways if they haven't ironed it out by, you know, 13 or 14 years old, the proper way of getting up, just try and try and have them get those repetitions of that, you know, they're either making a, a ball to a stationary save, sorry, making a save to a stationary ball and then popping back up and then yep. getting a shot at the angle. You know, do workouts where they get a shot, you know, they, they make a save, they pretend they deflect it down the middle, they got to get back up to the middle. Made a save to the left, they got to get back up to the angle. Made a save, they have to get back up to the up, uh, opposite side. So just getting those repetitions is all I would say is make, making sure they get that stuff honed in on. And then from there, then you work on the core strength. And if you can do it in, in tandem, I would do both. Yeah. You know, Evan, as, as we start wrapping up right now, um, I, I want to ask you, you know, what, what, what activities did you do with Preston that really kind of, I don't want to say that they were game changers, but like that they, they adjusted the deficiencies that you were having. Saskia, yeah. stop putting that. I feel, de I feel I'm depressed about my body. Shape. <laughs> you think that was me. How does that feel now? <laughs> um, I, I think it was mostly just him identifying it because there was things that I didn't even realize. Like I didn't, like, for instance, with the back step, I didn't realize that I'd take a back step to go forward. It's, it was almost like I was like loading to go forward and it ended up giving me like a, being a half second late sometimes. So I think just him addressing it and then in game situations, now I'm thinking about it and yeah. All right. Initially, like it was a bit of an adjustment period. Uh, like I, I would do it sometimes. I wouldn't do it other times. I'd be thinking about it and I mess up sometimes, but I think just him just encouraging encouraging me as much as possible to try to just beat that out of me and just taking reps and reps and, you know, like you said, just reps and reps and reps, nothing, nothing beats game realistic live reps. So putting yeah. me in situations where, yeah, it, it'll just be with the keepers, but it'll be like, you know, take a volley, take a shot to hands, and then, like, the ball will be on the left side. You got to go take the angle, and they pass it across, and then you get the shot. So yeah. it's like that initial movement is you're always moving forward. Or, you know, maybe setting up, like, uh, a pile of balls, like, 30 yards out and playing a through ball, and your first step has to be forward, so you're always leaning forward. Just little, little things like that. Yeah. No, and I agree with you because I think – um, putting that movement in, you know, like goalkeeper coaches or anybody has to get away from that stagnant stuff. So putting that movement in, even if it's a slight movement, watching how your key is your keeper setting on their heels is your keeper, you know, are they timing that movement, right? Turning their head, seeing where the ball is going to end up, not following the path of the ball. So they're getting there with their eyes early. So they know the set better be setting out of position and still moving. And, and how are they setting? Is their core solid? Are the, is their body weight forward? But if you just do stagnant stuff, you're never going to know that. And they get in the game, they can follow the ball across, and the ball's in the back of the net. And they're on their butt. And you're asking why. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I think I think you just you guys both brought up this, the the number one thing is that these need to be realistic reps. These need to be in game situations. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. But you have to have that core strength uh, developed uh, developed too. Um, well, guys, first off, thanks for dealing with all the technical difficulties because uh, I this is this has been a this has been a little bit crazy. At least it wasn't someone eight hours ahead in time like uh, like a couple of weeks ago when we had Evan. A couple of weeks ago, we had somebody in the UK. Who uh, came on and we were we were having trouble with the with the thing and it was already what like eleven o'clock or eleven thirty at night for them. <laughs> wow, it felt yeah. so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, all right, well we're gonna we're just gonna share this uh, later on a, on a on a on a, a watch party on Facebook. He's like, yeah, I'll be asleep for that, but uh, but but I'll see when I when I wake up in the morning. Um, before we get going, Evan, uh, if anybody out there, you know, they want to connect with you. Um, by the way, sure, shout out to, uh, who is it? Nelson Lucindo who did those photos or whatever. Fire pictures, fire pictures. Oh my God, dude. You have to, st- Omar, you have to get, you gotta, you gotta get this photographer, dude. This guy, <laughs> Saskia, I know you guys what? have high level people at, at, at UCLA and Angel City and stuff, but this guy did, did some amazing work. These Evan shots he's, that, that you sent me. And I was like, I, 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 the funniest thing is the guy reaches out and he's like, Hey, he's like, those pictures aren't bad on him. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm so glad you reached out because I wanted to give you credit for your pictures. <laughs> right on. So, honestly, Evan, sometimes we get people that they're like, Hey, if you can send us some pictures and it's like, you guys have seen it before. It's like the grainiest thing. It's like they're way over in the corner over there. And I'm like, I'm like, did you shoot this yourself today at practice? Like, what is, what is this? <laughs> Exactly, but this guy, this guy's legit. He does it all the time for all you guys. Yeah, yeah. Every home game, he's usually there. So yeah, he's a beast. Wow. wow. Yeah, we, wow. Got, we got a couple. We got a couple people that are really talented. So yeah. Pretty so. Fortunate. We, get the, we get the Dropbox name the next morning, and they're all on Instagram. So. <laughs> well, well, we told him. We told him we'd give him a shout out. Um. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, where's the best place to connect? Um. On Instagram, my Instagram's at uh, evanlaura one, and Twitter at evanlaura one two three. I, I made it really, well it was like 2012 when i made it and i was just <laughs> everyone else had it and then it was the only thing that let me make it so that's that's hilarious i love how people have like their old uh, accounts from like you know back in the day still from like what they made when they were like 12 and stuff like that and they're like aol okay. <laughs> i don't have mine anymore i got I a like, i have a rocket <laughs> i don't even know what that is oh my god that's, <laughs> that's hilarious hey omar what was your aim name Oh man, uh, not good. It was not funny. I I, I can't even say it. It was, like a, it, was, it was horrible. It was not good. It was like cancellation cancellation type situation now nowadays. No, it was just like a a Spanish word that I used once, and it just was not. It, it's like it hasn't aged well. Put it that way. Oh, oh boy! Oh, God. Okay, we'll oh, talk we about we, it off air. We know where we're going with that one right there. No, no, it's oh. like you know how they they yell it, they yell it in. Games. No, oh no, like, no, yeah, we, okay. we're aware, we're aware <laughs> okay. of what you're talking about. We got it. Anyways, um, anyways. All right, well, if you guys want to, if you guys want to know any more slurs that have been canceled, uh, where's the best? You can reach out to Omar Zini at Pro GK Academy underscore on all social media, um, at Suskia underscore Weber on all social medias. Shout out to Angel City, by the way. Today's National Podcast Day, and they shouted us out today. Uh, that was very, very awesome of them. Uh, appreciate, you know, the kind words regarding the work that we're doing out there. Contact at Inside the 18. That's the number 18media.com with a guest suggestion or topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast. All right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later. Yeah!